Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Eight Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Week ninety six. Uh, now Mama's in the kitchen cooking, and her children are fast asleep. It's time for Santa Claus to make his midnight creep. Right? Yeah, Santa Claus wants some loving. It's the holiday edition. It is the holiday edition. Everything will be holiday themed. Luckily, all the Star Trek episodes were holiday themed. So <laughs> that's right. It's funny how that lined up in this. A 2020 edition that's right you know sometimes you get a week where there are like four time travel episodes this time it was all christmas yeah <laughs> well everybody knows how this project is done uh we're gonna go in reverse order to last week's uh finishing order so um last week the worst episode was enterprise if you believe it i do and uh and that means we're starting with terra prime <laughs> Jazzy, it can only be one group. Is that <laughs> Tina's theme by the One Ups? That is Tara by the One Ups. Oh, sorry, my mistake. <laughs> okay, the Terra Prime base. Do y'all remember this base took off from the moon and landed on Mars last week? It was the the it was the base with the warp engines. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have shields or any defenses from space because this is Enterprise. Um, but they can't just shoot it because it's tied into the warp reactor at the Verderon array. And so if they blow it up, it'll destroy half of the Utopia colony. Yeah. <sighs> Robocop's still talking on the, uh, why well, on his TikTok? I think it's a TikTok. <laughs> it and be. he's telling everyone that he's going to protect humanity from its greatest threat, a tiny baby. You know, we see another character in another Star Trek doing this thing this week where he's able to just broadcast on all channels and no one can <laughs> shut him up. And I, yep. that is such a TV thing that happens. And I, they never explain the technology behind it. They're just like, I don't know. He's just on everything. No, yeah, no one says all channels because I was watching Olympic Luge from 2018. You know, because I was watching this thing called Pluto and they have an American Gladiators channel and he wasn't on that. You know who was on that? <laughs> Hawk was on that. You know who else was on that? Fucking Laser. That's who I was watching. Yeah. Well, this guy's on all channels and he shows a picture of that half Vulcan baby and we don't see anyone on earth react to it or get any indication that anyone's like oh now it's real but this was clearly his i mean he cloned this baby to make it happen no all you see is tam elbrum's lame ass like having a fit like a, a event director who's upset <laughs> about the powerpoint not working he's like oh god turn this off oh god but like the the ambassadors are just watching going wow yeah they're like, eh, seems like it was going to happen sooner or later. Yeah. 
uh, uh, Paxton, that's his name, announces that if even one alien is left in the system past the deadline, he will turn the Verteron array on Starfleet Command and destroy it. That's also where the big treaty is happening. Yeah. Uh, Enterprise catches a glancing blow from the array and heads back to Earth. Um, there, Soval and the Andorian ambassador, who I don't know if he's named, he's not Shran. He looks a little bit like Shran, but it's not Shran. Don't get your hopes up. It's a uh, Nars. <laughs> I don't think that's true somehow. If it was backwards, that would be what it was, yeah. Uh, uh, so Soval and this guy talk about how there's demonstrations outside their embassies. They question whether humanity is unified enough to be leading a big conference about, you know, the trade franchise or whatever they're trying to set up here. But yes, it's going to be the Trade Federation, I think, is what you mean. Yes, yeah, trying to create the Trade Federation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a fair question. Um, when you got a lunatic with a, a warp engine moon base, now the Mars base. Talking about how he's going to blow up Earth. Yeah, it definitely brings it into question, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuels, a.k.a. Tam Elbrun, comes on board Enterprise and tells Archer that the Council has ordered the Verderon Array attacked, even though, yeah, some people are definitely going to die as a result of that. And also, they've been um, pulling comets in, into Mars to terraform it. They've been smashing comets into the oh. whole fucking planet. Okay, because last time I got the feeling it was to get comets away from Mars, but now that makes more sense because I was like, are comets hitting Mars just on the regular? I thought it was to prevent comets from hitting Earth. Oh, I yes. thought it was on Mars to redirect comets headed for Earth. Not turns out <laughs> they're smashing comets into the poles to, uh, I presume, to thicken the atmosphere. Does that, does that make sense? I sure. think that's a terraforming idea some crazy people have had. Also, think of the cool minerals that'll be deposited. I mean, it's going to be pretty cool. What's weird about it, though, is that there are already people living on Mars. <laughs> yeah, how come those and, things aren't dangerous? Well, whatever. <laughs> and here's the deal. Without the Verderon array, those comets are still going to hit Mars, but they're probably not going to hit at the poles where they're supposed to. Okay, so then... They'll just hit, like, randomly and could start killing people. So their story is that comets are just hitting Mars on the regular. Well, I think that they've already redirected them, but oh. they need, like, this thing has to be on to bring them into the right zone. Sure, tractor them in. Sure. Yeah, some kind of nonsense. Anyway, the Federation... Oh, sorry, it's not the Federation Council. I don't know what council it is. He just keeps saying the council. The Earth Council? Yeah, it, well, it's tricky, because isn't the council, what, the Zindi called their thing? But yes, yes, the Council of Monsters, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, some council has ordered the Verderon Array attacked anyway. But Archer would rather lead a small team commando style to take the base. That is no surprise. And he thinks that they can get in undetected. Meanwhile, by the way, by, uh, wait, people, wait, wait, wait. by the way, the same plan he had last episode when he inserted two crewmen in who were immediately captured. <laughs> yeah, that plan, that was a spy plan. This is a commando plan. That's a little different. <laughs> it's just... He's slowly going to use the whole crew on little commando missions. Yeah, in twosies and threesies. For sure, he's going to burn up his whole crew. Um, T'Pol and Trip are taken to see their baby. Uh, Paxton tells them that they got the DNA from the medical freezers on Enterprise because they hella got a spy there. Right. Uh, 
Then Paxton orders Trip to refine the targeting system on the Verderon array, which he, of course, does not want to do, but they march him off to go work on it. Mm-hmm. Reed pays another visit to his biker pal to, I don't know, man, see if they got a plan. He tells him, you guys think about this kind of stuff all the time. Do you got, like, an idea? And the, and this guy tells him, well, the sensors on Mars used to work hella good. <laughs> but now the atmosphere's different because of the comets, and uh, nobody cared to fix the sensors. So as long as you stay low, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's very helpful. Also, he tells Reed that uh, Reed owes him a favor, but it's like, this is the last real episode, bud. Yeah. You ain't getting that favor. And by the way, when I saw that next week is these are the voyages or whatever, I was like. With already old Riker as I, the thumbnail image? Sure, but I was so pumped because that means when we do this again, we'll be at the end of this particular journey. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so here's their plan. Enterprise is going to. Uh, Enterprise is going to follow that comet down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just going to like ride, ride behind it in a cool way. <laughs> That's their whole deal. Yep. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to fucking, uh, draft off a comet. Right. Uh, it's a plan that is sure to work. Oh, I got lost in my notes. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Here's why. Because now, now we switch to a scene where. Paxton and T-Pole are arguing about whether the crossbreeding is a threat to their races or the natural evolution. At no point does anyone say, well, I mean, you used cloning to make this happen. (laughs) You did this. Like, I don't know why you thought this was just a gunst to happen. I I have in my notes somewhere that he must, the writers have forgotten that this guy did this. (laughs) The writers clearly have forgotten that this is a scheme this guy came up with. And that they didn't actually have this baby. Yeah, he goes there and he's like, aren't you worried? Like, there ain't going to be no more Vulcans in the future. It's all going to, everyone's going to be the same shade of beige. Yeah. And she doesn't go, Uh, why? Exactly. (laughs) What do you mean? Why? I've never Uh, heard of a a hybrid baby until you created one in your lab. So I don't, you shouldn't have done that, maybe. Anyway, someone left a medical scanner in this nursery. And she's already has scanned the baby with it a couple of times, but she gets a sneaky scan at Paxton when he's on the way out. Yeah. And I guess she finds something, but we're going to have to wait. Uh, Enterprise loads in behind this comet. Mayweather goes to talk to his girlfriend one last time for some reason. I guess she asked to see him, maybe. She tells him, look, I know what you think. I am a spy, but I, it's not for Terra Prime. I work for Starfleet Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you should know that I was here trying to catch a spy, so there is still a spy. And he says, whatever, you're dead to me. That's not even interesting information. I'm not going to tell anyone or take any precautions. Dude, why are you reading it with way more emotion than he does? (laughs) (laughs) Your deadpan reading of your notes off the page was more emotion than that guy can show. Well, uh, meanwhile, Archer uh, puts Hoshi in command on the bridge because... He's onesies and twosies, all the crew that we know. Uh-huh. You know who doesn't put in command and who is on the ship? And this is interesting to me, Kelby. Yeah. We will later see that Commander Kelby is still on the ship. Seems like. By ranks. 
Seems like by rank he would have been. Except. I don't know. Maybe he's not bridge qualified and Hoshi is or some horse shit we don't know about. They, they, he left Trip in charge all the time and that guy's an idiot. They all have had enough run-ins with Kelby to know he sucks in a major way. <laughs> they do. They know he sucks and they know he's fucking super pissed. Yeah. So maybe a good idea not to put him in charge. That would be like. Yeah, I guess so. Zhang Fei beating his men and then taking a nap, you know? <clears throat> well, it's going to be Hoshi. So she's in charge. She's got the normal orders. She's going to have to blow it up if everything goes sideways. Yeah. Uh, Trip gets in an argument with fake Tony Todd. And this guy spins some wild conspiracy theory that the Vulcans knew about World War Three and just watched it and like rubbed their hands in evil glee, knowing <laughs> that it was going to weaken Earth. It is. It's very 2020, everything in this scene. Yeah. He doesn't say that five. It's all started way back in 2020 with 5G, but it's like you know he means it. <laughs> yes. Uh they argue some more. Trip throws a punch. He uses a moment of distraction to do something in some computer guts, and then lets himself get beat up. This is nothing. It's nothing. Paxton was just watching on a camera. He saw the whole thing. He yeah. saw Trip fiddle around in them guts. Yeah, they really they should have come up with more episode. Yeah, he uh, exactly. Yeah, I had the yeah, same come, thought when he when he comes in and he goes, "It was all for nothing." I was watching you. I just went, "All right, that was a waste of my time too." Great, thanks. Yeah, he tells Trip, um, "Listen, bud, you got you got a choice here. If this if we just leave the weapon this way, and I shoot it at Starfleet Academy, it's gonna blow up most of San Francisco." Mm-hmm. You can make it better so that it only blows up Starfleet Academy. And if you've still got problems with that, I have warned them that it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but then he just takes Trip to jail. Trip gives a refusal, and that's enough for the guy to just take him away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he's got like a button he can hit if he changes his mind. He wants to call him. We don't really know any of that. <laughs> no. Uh, to Paul scans the baby again. Something's wrong with the baby. She doesn't tell us. She doesn't know we're watching. No, but she uh, is the entire episode only interested in what is happening in that room with the baby. Correct. Yeah. Uh, she tells the baby, "I am your mother." <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not as good as if Lol had a baby, but it's it's okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, the so the shuttle's following this comet down. The systems start going offline at the same time as soon as they enter the atmosphere. Nobody says maybe this is sabotage. Mayweather just lands the shuttle anyway. Right. Uh, Trip MacGyver's a tool to open the door of his holding cell while wild music plays. He appears to spend no time in there. They did not bother, like... You know, he was watching him earlier while he was doing engineering stuff, but I guess no one's watching him while he's in the cell, because he breaks out instantly. I feel like Paxton only took off with about eight people on board. It could be, yeah. Most of those miners are still stuck. In, well, they're probably dead, honestly. He's when got thing the took guy off, from, it probably killed everybody. He's got the, the guy from Spartacus, and then uh, Josiah, who uh, pranked just, Trip real good. Just wants and, his reparations, uh, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they've got people to just sit there and watch Trip. Sure. Uh, but anyway, he doesn't wait for a minute. He doesn't, he just immediately, they don't take his belt away or anything. No. He just gets out of there. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Um, 
they land the shuttle behind a ridge. They start to make for the array on foot. Uh, Paul goes to see Paxton. She demands that everybody gets beamed to a goddamn hospital, or she'll tell all of his men that he's getting alien gene therapy for his Taggart syndrome. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I'm a hypocrite just like Hitler. That don't matter. You tell him whatever you fucking want. <laughs> We're, they're pretty much all in on this one. I don't know if you saw we shot the moon. It's right. So... Yeah, it's uh, they might be like, it does suck that he's getting that alien gene therapy, but I still would rather have all the aliens off. He says off Earth in any of the other Bond movies. Have you seen any of the henchmen betray him this late in the movie? No, you have not. I am. I'm pretty fucking safe. Yeah. So that's a big waste of everybody's time. Uh, He does, by the way, and I don't I don't know if this was uh, Robocop's actor's secret or whatever the fuck, but he does seem kind of interested in what's wrong with the baby. Like, he feels bad about the baby being sick? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But, like, deep down, he cares about the baby. Yeah, it's like, he's not that, He's not all bad. He likes that baby. I can't play a pure evil. I gotta, I gotta put a little bit of good in him. It's more believable. Um, the deadline runs out. Samuels tries to get Hoshi to fire on the array. But she says, it'll take two minutes for that damn thing to fire. I can blow it up whenever I want, so we'll wait. Yeah, it's and a real. I don't take orders from you, and I'm not going to break radio silence so you can call Starfleet Command. It's a real Ambassador Fox situation going on. Uh, there. He is kind of the prototype Ambassador Fox in this one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Archer gets into the base. They run into Trip, who has just broken out in the corridor. They head to disable the array. It starts powering up. Hoshi almost gives the order to fire, but then Archer calls and says, we've taken the control room. But then a firefight breaks out. Uh, Trip and Reed both get shot. Uh, the room starts to depressurize, and Archer stays in there with Paxton <laughs> trading barbs <laughs> while he tries to disable the weapon. A low oxygen fist fight. <laughs> yeah, he puts his oxygen mask on Trip. Then the window blows out. Paxton says... <laughs> That he is used to low oxygen. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. I'm a miner. They have a fight. He restarts the firing sequence. The pulse activates. Mm. Paxton says Terra Prime forever, and then they both pass out, and we see that the the beam just splashes into the Pacific Ocean. And I gotta say, it still looks like it's gonna be a bad day for San Francisco. Those were some high waves for sure. Like if you're getting in the, the harbor, you're fucked. They're getting what's up, like a, a mild tsunami or something as the result of this. Mm-hmm. Plus, it probably killed those cool whales. Also, oh, there are no whales on Earth at this time. Think That's my about mistake. the very, very minor change in aim you have to do from Mars to to miss by that much. To go from Starfleet Command to the bay. Oh, yeah, for sure. The I mean, tiniest, tiniest fraction of a degree he moved that trip. Thing. Trip only managed to nudge it a millionth <laughs> of an arc second. And we do insane. cut back, and it it turns out it's because Trip managed to redirect it. Yeah. But it's like, hey, not by much, huh? Hey, if he'd redirected it in a good way, it would have missed Earth. But he redirected it in the yeah. tiniest way. For, from Mars, almost any change you yeah. do is going to miss Earth entirely. It's kind of crazy that he managed to do that. Yeah. And, like... Why? Why didn't you just fucking... You know what? Just crank it up. It'll miss everything in the whole galaxy. That's <laughs> right. Shoot it towards some other star or something. Who cares? Yeah. Well, that's the end of that. Um, Mayweather gets to T'Pol. 
who says her daughter's dying. Mm. Then up on the ship, she names it Elizabeth after Tripp's sister. So now there are, <laughs> now there are going to be two dead Elizabeths in his life. <laughs> it's really fucked up. And he says to her, my sister would have wanted that. <laughs> to name your dying baby after her? Maybe. Dying baby that you guys didn't even mean to have that some guy just cloned. She, she did a clone baby. She was a goth. It was hard for her in Florida. Oh, uh, yeah, a clone baby that's doomed to die? Uh, yeah, name it after me. I'd, I would be honored. Flox yeah. uh, comes in and tells them, I was wrong. The problem is genetic. I don't know what the I was wrong. Like, there's oh. another scene that he's referencing okay. yes. that we don't know nothing about. No, no, no. So when they first take it up, before the scene where they're in her quarters, like when the baby's dying... He says, it looks like the just weren't genetic. It's as I feared. Like, they aren't genetically compatible. You can't you can't have a baby that's uh, no, human no. in a Vulcan. And then... No, no, you're, you're, you're anticipating a turn. That scene, he starts with, he says, my previous diagnosis was not correct. It's genetic. The DNA is not compatible. I, so there's a previous diagnosis that we never see. I, then later, Trip comes back and says, anyway, Flox changed his mind. I know he says it because I had it in my notes as Vulcans and humans can't have a baby. So I guess later on they'll fix it. And then Trip comes in and says that. And I went, oh, I guess I have to erase that note. And so then I erased it too. Okay, they found out you can make a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the point. He come when when Flox comes in to tell them that it's genetically incompatible. He starts with my previous diagnosis oh, was wrong. Yes, yes. And it's like what, what, what was his? It's a reference to something we don't see. Uh, yeah. I guess he he came in and said, uh, I don't know. DNA, the DNA should work, so yeah, maybe we, your baby's got a cold. Maybe that was last episode, but yeah, maybe they didn't put it in. Yeah, maybe it's from like way earlier when he was like, mm, I guess you could have a baby. It's uh, it's definitely your genetic material. It's a reference reason. he didn't need to make. Anyway, Mayweather, uh, when they get back, is finally fucking curious about what happened to the shuttle. And he finds a big shot-off panel or whatever. And it's like, did you, did you not do a walk-around before the mission? <laughs> no, dude, it was so frantic. Jeez. They just, they just fucking climbed in. It was huge. You could not have I would not. It. I would not fly with this guy. He doesn't do the checklists. There's no checklist was done. And apparently there's no crew in the shuttle bay to help him. Yeah. He just walks or He's supposed to do the walk around himself. Anyway, they immediately corner Kelby. He and Reed bust in <laughs> to rough mean. up Kelby. They know about this guy. <laughs> and finally, Kelby spits out the name Ensign Mazzaro. And it's like... They leave, but I don't know why they still think it wasn't Kelby. Sure. Well, I do know why, because it turns out it was Masaro, because he <laughs> confronts Archer with a pistol and then turns it on himself after saying he's sorry, tell his parents he's sorry, he believed in what they were doing, no one was supposed to get hurt. Who got hurt? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> they just landed Did that shuttle. Did anybody get hurt? They landed that shuttle, they took it back. Like, clearly it was still fucking space worthy. Yeah, like, who got hurt in this whole plan? Yeah, I don't the baby? Know. I don't know. This guy came out of nowhere. He's a nobody who just oh, maybe shows that, up. That doctor that got iced, I think, is the only person that got hurt in this whole <laughs> yep. very bloodless scheme. Yes, fake Tarantino got killed. But yeah, um, this guy comes out of nowhere. We, I don't know who this guy is. He just shows up, has his one bad scene, and dies. And you go, huh. Okay, Enterprise. <laughs> sure. Yep. 
Uh, Archer goes to sick bay. He consoles Phlox, who's pretty broken up about this baby dying, as Trip and T'Pol are also grieving. Uh, Samuels reopens the talks by correcting his mistake that he made in the beginning of the first episode and introducing the Enterprise crew and letting Archer speak. Yes. So maybe they'll all fucking shut up about that. Yeah. Uh, Archer say, basically says the real journey was the friendships we made along the way because it's all new to these guys. Um, then all of his personal friends give him a round of applause. Trip forgives his old girlfriend, but they've got a lot of work to do. Sorry, Mayweather forgives his old girlfriend, but they've got a lot of work to do. Trip tells to Paul that Paxton people just did it wrong and that they could have a child someday if they wanted to. And that's the end of Enterprise, really. Yeah. There's one more, but it ain't. Well, you'll find out. You'll all find out what it is. Uh, yeah. So, what was Terra Prime about? Uh, ben says, I guess we all have more in common than, I think that he means to say, than we have differences. Uh, he says the Terra Prime dude is using... Uh, Alien tech uh, to stay alive. Alien medicine works on humans. Human-Vulcan hybrids can happen. The Federation is happening now. Um, he gave that a four. I was a little bit higher. I had to take ignorance and immorality often occupy the same space. All the stuff that the bad guys do, it seems to be rooted in total ignorance. Other than Paxton, who doesn't have any <clears throat> motivation that we learn about. You mean the main guy? Yeah, the main the main villain who doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> okay. Uh, this tracks with what I've come to believe in real life. But, like, the relationship isn't clear, especially in this episode. Like, are these symptoms of the same problem? Does ignorance cause immorality? But this episode certainly seems to hint that one causes the other. Um, if we got anything at all about Paxton's motivation, we would have been able to guess more about what they were trying to say. Uh, just a five for me. Um... But basically, it's based on the conversations they have with the bad guys where they're like, have you ever, like, met an alien? <laughs> well, no, but, you know, they're here to take our jobs or whatever. So, um, yeah, a five for me. Uh, it's a five for me, too, but uh, I'm working in a different angle. And to be fair, I think that they got real scared. Yeah. Because they were suddenly out of show. And they had to do a lot. They wanted to do a lot of plot stuff here. So I cooked them a take. Because this episode. Well, first of all, there's like five endings. Yeah. Which is how you, how you know that I did a good job. Uh, the central question of Enterprise is. Is humanity ready for the stars? Right. And I think that the question in Terra Prime is. Uh, are the stars ready for humanity? Yeah, because we suck, so watch out. We do suck, but also... In all of Enterprise that we've seen, there are no alliances in space. Seems like it. Right? Yeah. Every species is out working for themselves and fighting among themselves. Which the seems Romulans, odd. we've learned, are afraid of growing cooperation and... Dumb, dumb humanity is here trying to start the first alliance at new era of cooperation, whatever. Right. So humanity changed the rules of the game when they got to space. 
right? Maybe they weren't ready for it, but they made it something different. And I think that that's kind of the point of Archer's speech, that the most important result of all of the exploration that everybody's out there doing is discovering that they can work together. Okay. And that's real Star Trek, but it's cooked. Also, the problem with Enterprise being about that question is we know the answer is yes. Because this is a prequel. Because it's a prequel (laughs) to a bunch of series about the great and mighty Federation. Yes, the central question of the show is answered by any of the other shows. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's just a five for me, but... and. You have and uh, you have to ignore the fact that a lot of what happens in this particular episode is just plot, but uh-huh. it it ends back with this conference and Archer gives a dumb speech and etc. Yes. Yep. Um. Okay. Well, what about execution? Men's a three. Um. He's mad that the Andorian ambassador is not Shrain. Yeah. Yeah, he and he points out that at the end the crew gets the props they were whining about, and that that somehow is they're the best examples of humanity. That's right. Um, okay, number one, Paxton's plan turns out to be incredibly weak. Yeah, uh, five guys with guns bust up the whole deal. It's all predicated on the idea that Starfleet won't give the order to blow him up from space, which they definitely did. Yes. They did give that order. So he was wrong about that. <laughs> uh, it's like in a better show, it would have been that he played his hand too quickly because of his Taggart syndrome or something. Oh, okay. Right. Then we've got this baby, um, which is an odd, like forced made up threat. They cloned a baby to scare people. But then they don't show any evidence that it tipped the scales or did anything except remind you that Spock's coming along. Yeah. Like, here he comes. And then the whole episode, it seems like they forgot. Like, they forgot why (laughs) the baby's there and what it means. Yeah. It's as if Tripp and T-Pol went and had this baby. They certainly believe it. And everyone was afraid of it. But that's not what happened. Like, anyway, that's dumb. You can leave Mayweather's girlfriend out of this episode entirely. I did. I skipped again. Because the information that there might be a saboteur changes nothing. He doesn't listen to her and he, he gets off in the bed shuttle. <laughs> he doesn't pass it on. The saboteur does exactly what they were going to do. It None of it matters until later when that guy kills himself. You could reclaim five or six minutes by leaving her out entirely. Yep. I, I enjoyed those five minutes for sure. Um... Archer gives a speech, and then Soval stands up and claps, which is like, uh, he hated Archer at the beginning, but it's like, why does this guy why does this guy do that now? Yeah, he took his big turn after he got kicked out for being a melder, right? And then, yeah. like, the whole Vulcan government changed. And, and now he's just fucking all in. <laughs> now he's Chakotay. He's Chakotay, exactly. Yes, he's 100% in on Starfleet and everything it stands for. Yeah. Um, the music when Trip is hot wiring his cell door is wild. It's unlike anything in Star Trek. Right. Uh, it's like I imagine that if you listen, if you watch the new Blade Runner movie, it, the music sounds like this. It doesn't belong in this franchise at all, and it's very odd in that particular scene. Uh, Hoshi has one tough decision to make on the bridge, and given that the array eventually did fire, I'm sure a lot of people are going to question it. Yeah. So. 
The whole episode was very sloppy. I gave it two. That is very fair. Ben gave it a three. You gave it a two. I gave it a one. Um, so look, Paxton's Bond villain shit is very tiresome. I was tired of it in part one. They did two episodes, but they don't give us anything at all about him other than that he's got a syndrome. Yeah. He's evil, and, like, that's that's the whole story. Like, we get it. He idolizes a man who would have had him euthanized because of his genetic defect, but, like... Mm-hmm. But, like, so what is his personal motivation? They even make him hate Archer's dad in this episode so that you can really be mad at him. So that... Yeah. If you are... If you're one of the... Ar- the archer heads. If you're an archer head, <laughs> you fucking hate this guy. He's read the same file everyone else is. He knows that Archer has daddy issues and he's got to bring him up in the fight. But like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The ambassador who says Paxton is troubling, but that so many people support him is even more troubling was a very 2020 piece of dialogue. Well, yeah. <laughs> I went, oh, yeah, it's true. And Paxton's lieutenant just spouting conspiracy theories that couldn't possibly be true while admitting he's never actually met a Vulcan before also felt very real in a way that makes me sweat. I started getting oh, sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the terror... Pro- the thing that's... The only thing that's not... Uh, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make me sweat is that they weren't then like... I mean, Terra Prime has got like forty-three percent support among the population. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really, it's actually really surprisingly high. Yes, it's actually much worse in real life. It's much in worse. this one. In this one, they're like, uh, it's uh, a there's fringe. like, there's like twenty or thirty of these guys, and they go and stand outside of alien embassies and yell <laughs> swear words at them. But like, it's called them snakeheads and stuff. Yeah, probably, but like, uh... But in, in real life, it's much worse. Yeah, in my real life, it is actually a great deal worse than this. Uh, as always, the array has a comically long firing sequence that has a two-minute timer, and that two-minute timer doesn't begin until very late in the game, for dramatic reasons. Yeah, they can't hold at the firing point. <laughs> yeah, they can't get it ready and then wait. They gotta fucking fire it up when yeah. they're ready. Well, it wasn't designed as a weapon, and <sighs> apparently it's meant for use on comets that they know exactly when they're gonna come, so I guess... But it is such a Bond villain thing, like, in it two absolutely minutes, is. San Francisco will be destroyed. Um, uh, The low-oxygen fist fight. <laughs> what are we doing here? And then the Paxton stuff ends with ten minutes left, so like you said, we can have four more endings afterward. Um, just just a badly executed hour of television. Really a bad job. So one point from me. Um, it's hard to disagree. What about world building? Ben gave it a two. Um, uh, he says so. The turns out the cloning was bad. Um, they killed the writers. Killed an innocent little baby. What dicks? I don't know what that has to do with world building. And then he says, I guess they had to shoehorn in that Spock is possible. Um, I also gave it a two. So the guy, he says in like the first scene, Paxton has already tied his warp drive into the array on Mars. They don't seem to be able to do anything without trip. How did he do that so fast? It's a good point. 
anyway, he's done that, and blowing them up would screw Mars in some way, but, like, give them the choice, no shit, they give the order to fire, because who cares about Mars when you're talking about somebody shooting Earth with a big, a big yeah. comet-moving array. Uh, that overhead shot of Starfleet Command made it look tiny, like four buildings. <laughs> well, they, they seem to only have two ships, so... I'm <laughs> just saying my UL campus in Fremont was bigger than that. Like, what yeah. is this? Well, UL is serious business. It's probably bigger than Starfleet in the future, too. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else... Well, I, looked I don't at know. It, do, I you was... think, do you think, Matt, do you think they raided all of those... Um, panels all of the bridge oh you know of the future of the for sure has, is doing all kinds of safety and security on those things information security they're huge. not well the thing is they're not safe <laughs> they're not safe it's true they're, they definitely seem less safe than a common lamp cord but you know they did their due diligence they took them to a lab and had them evaluated yeah so they're they're lawsuit proof i think um i'm just saying it looked like a very small business park um what were the away outfits they wore on the commando mission? What were Good those? Good question. What were those? I've never seen those. Have, have you, have you, you don't have those guys in timeline? You don't have like, uh, timelines <laughs> like, you know, commando archer or... There's The problem is there's a commando archer every other episode, so he'd have a lot oh, that's of true. That's a good point. It I, is It is definitely weird. I, uh, I definitely had the uh, trip in underpants commando. I presume that that's an underlayer because they knew when they were on the surface of Mars they'd be wearing big parkas and oxygen masks. But um, yeah, I yeah. I had never seen that outfit. Uh, Flock says Vulcan and human parents. Um, oh, this is this is where I put it. He says that Vulcan and human parents can't make a baby. They must fix that by Sarek's horny adventures. Oh, never mind. It's already fixed in this episode. Like three minutes later. So never mind. Um, yeah, just a two. I didn't really know what to make of. Well, obviously, I didn't know what to make of any of this episode, but I guess the big takeaway would be that you can have human and Vulcan babies, but I don't know. We already But again, that, so what? we've already done all 79 episodes of TOS, so... Doesn't feel like a big reveal. Right, it's not a reveal for us. Um, listen, I don't disagree, I'm a two. Uh, running comets into Mars for terraforming purposes is the most interesting thing in sure. this episode. Um, other than, I guess... That you get used to low oxygen environments. <laughs> I'm a miner. I don't need oxygen anymore. I actually breathe dust. Fucking. I, it's not even that he's a miner. He tells Archer, we are the sons of our fathers. I'm used to working in a low oxygen environment. And it's like, okay. <laughs> your daddy was a miner. That's right. So that's so why. You, there was a genetic change that happened. That's why you don't need as much oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, it's a two. Yeah. Characterization, Ben is a two. He says Malcolm's definitely going to end up going back to Section 31 because he's a terrible person. And he thinks that uh, Trip is also a terrible person because minutes after the baby dies, he goes in and tells T'Pol that they can have another one. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's cost five bucks. You just get another one. Um, well, he's not wrong. There's a thing where the Reed and the Section 31 chief like have a, a heartfelt handshake, and it's like, man, talk about unearned. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> the whole thing is unearned. I'll just we'll move into characterization yeah. here. The whole thing is unearned because Reed going back to this guy for help and then telling him, I'll never see you again, <laughs> would be cool if Reed's arc had been stretched throughout the whole series, but like... yes. 
I think we literally saw this guy for the first time about four episodes ago. Yeah. I have the same. Where it was in the augment arc, right? Is where this guy was invented. Yeah. So in Affliction in week 90, that's where we first met this guy. Yep. This is week 96. So it has not been long. Yeah. So like we had that arc, then like one episode where Reed didn't have anything to do with this guy. Uh, then the mirror universe and now reads back, had to go back, crawl back to this guy. So it's like, <laughs> yep. well, <laughs> yeah, well, I've been, I'm very invested in this plot for sure. Um, Archer gives one big speech. He has a little moment on the bridge with Hoshi, but he's like, he's oddly checked out in this one. This episode is somehow not his story at all. Yeah. Like they let him do the fist fight, but he doesn't do any emotional stuff. He's not yeah. really, he's not a part of the plot. He doesn't, at no point does he try to persuade Paxton mm-hmm. that you can't look at, look at, I know one hated Vulcans more than me, but look at me and T'Pol now, or me and Shran, or even yeah. Soval. Right. He never, it doesn't matter to him that Paxton is wrong. Paxton is just an obstacle. And he's, so, like you said, Archer has no character work in this one. Yeah, I agree. Drip and T'Pol have to go through a thing. Like, the writers put them through this so that Spock can be the first half Vulcan or whatever. Right. But at least they don't treat each other like squabbling children in this episode. So. Yes. That's, that's fine. Oddly, the other end of the spectrum where it's a lot of melodramatic parents dealing with a dead kid stuff. Oh, yeah. To, uh, the melodrama's crank, cranked way up and T'Pol gets to shout some stuff. Yes. About her baby. <laughs> um, Hoshi gets a command moment. Yeah. Would be neat if that had been part of an arc. They have to remind you that she's not really the space type. He has to tell her. Well, I remember when you used to jump every time the engines would hiccup or whatever. <laughs> I still do, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but she does get to be the first person to push back against some civilian. <laughs> on the bridge, so that's fun. That's true, her. yeah. She gets to be the first Kirk, the first one to tell a Commodore to eat shit. Mayweather gets to be a pilot. Reed gets to rough up everybody's favorite punching bag, Kelby. Yeah. Uh, Tom Melbourne plays the first Ambassador Fox. <laughs> Fox has a big cry about a patient he can't save. Everyone gets a couple of scenes, and there's nothing wildly bad about them, except Archer is just emotionally completely checked out this week. So, characterization wasn't really the problem this week. I gave it as much as five. Okay. Uh, me and Ben were aligned on this one. I gave it a two. Um, Paxton is a fanatic, but he's a man of his word, says Tam Elburn. What? Well, he used to be in Terra Prime. Uh, yes. In a, in a piece of information that does not matter to the plot and does no! not come up again. I could have sworn he was going to turn out to be a bad guy or something, because... He has ties to their group, or maybe he was going to talk Paxton down, or something. Some reason yep. we would have found no. out last week that he was part of Terra Prime. No. It doesn't matter. It's another minute that could have been reclaimed. Mm-hmm. But what does that sentence mean? You consider a guy oh. who built a secret <laughs> moon base with warp engines, who was going to fly to Mars and turn a powerful array against Earth. A man, of, be a man of his word. word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? It's a good question. Also, who is Tam Elbert again? I thought he was just a haircut and a suit, but Archer's coordinating his military response with this guy? Who is he? Uh, we don't know. I don't know what his he's, job is. 
he's the fucking undersecretary. Well, let's you know what? Let me see if the <laughs> memory see, alpha yeah, knows. Maybe they know what his title is, but I was like, wait, why is I thought he was just like the speaker or like the event event coordinator like what is his fucking deal maybe an ambassador but the whole time archer and hoshi are like taking orders from him Um, this is not great minister nathan samuels was a male human and (laughs) high-ranking united earth government official in the 2150s some kind of minister okay well that's something at least i don't know where he fits in the chain of command in the future like how that works but they were definitely answering to him um I guess we're supposed to feel bad for Reed having to keep doing the Section 31 nonsense, but like you said, uh, one, we hate Reed. But also, this Section 31 plot came out of nowhere six episodes ago with no teasing of any kind, so it hasn't gotten any room to breathe. Yeah. I have no emotional reaction to it. And when the Section 31 guy wishes him luck and they genuinely shake hands, I don't care about that. It is difficult to. Yeah. Uh... Uh, yeah. In case you're wondering, in the beta canon, Nathan Samuels is the prime minister of Earth. Oh, he's like a uh, he's the of the United work. Earth. Yeah. Oh, they don't through the end of the Earth Romulan War in 2160 and the establishment of the Federation. Yeah, in in memory alpha in canon, they treat him like he's just a disposable tool. So yeah, well, in alpha <laughs> canon, they can only put things that were in episodes. Yes. So that other stuff is from, uh, believe it or not, there were a couple of Enterprise novels. Uh. I'm going to skip past that quickly. I don't want anyone to suggest a project based on that. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> some oh, we know you don't do book reports. <laughs> Mayweather stuff that doesn't land. Uh, when you said earlier that you could have easily reclaimed five or six minutes, I, again, I enjoyed the five or six minutes I reclaimed by constantly skipping the Mayweather stuff. <laughs> I just wasn't going to do it. I'm, I'm this far into the project and it's time to start cutting corners. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Honestly, Boy, you were you saying would think stuff you learned your lesson after zoning out or whatever and not seeing <laughs> that Kirk stuff with Tapau. Okay, but that wasn't intentional. I know, but TOS like, made me sleepy. What are you going to miss going forward? Yeah, well, I, um, you were definitely describing things in in this description that I didn't remember. So, um, T-Pole and Trip both seem to have forgotten they aren't actually the parents of this baby. Their genetic yes. material was stolen and used without their consent, and they have no legal or moral, moral responsibility to the baby, but it seems to be an even greater concern to them than the safety of Earth and its many allies. It doesn't come up at all. There's no discussion about whether they have any responsibility for this child, why they feel like they have a responsibility for the child, mm-hmm. why, you know, like... I always imagined we'd have a baby, and exactly, seeing it in real life just made it feel so real or something. There's just fucking no discussion. Like, at some point, they looked at each other and at Archer, and the, and they're just like, uh, turns out we love it, so... <laughs> we love the baby more than anything. I mean, T-Ball seems totally oblivious, like I said earlier, to what is happening outside of the room with the baby. When Mayweather shows up, she doesn't even ask about anything. She just yells, the baby's dying! Yep, to Mayweather. <laughs> to Mayweather, who's like, What? Mayweather, if Mayweather had said, what baby? There's a baby? Oh. Oh, oh yeah, that. we're here to save Earth. Yeah, we got more important things. There's going to be so many dead babies, guys. We have to fix this. We didn't know if you were alive, actually, down here, so. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, we're glad, I'm glad. Personally, I'm glad you are. Did you think I'm I, just saying. I knew you were in this room? I've just been checking all the rooms. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, then, like you said, she names the baby after Trip's sister. It earned a lot of shrugging and looking around the room from me. No one <laughs> in the room was able to help me. No. Um, Boy, isn't that the worst part about COVID? That's right. There's no You can look around the room all you want, but nobody can help you. Uh, Hoshi acts tough on the bridge. Based on earlier dialogue in the episode, I guess we're supposed to see how far she's come. Um, yeah, well, she's pretty shook up when Archer calls and tells her not to blow everything up. Yeah. Well, it's because she's got that fucking Ambassador Fox looking over her shoulder. Fox is more moved by this dead baby than anything else that has ever happened in their journey to this point. Flox gives a speech as though he's read the script and he knows the Enterprise is canceled. <laughs> he is like... Like, we literally just saw a scene where Archer said that Enterprise is about to be busier than ever. Mm-hmm. He gives a speech about how he didn't expect to find a new family. Yeah. On Enterprise, as though he knows that he is leaving the ship, but it's like, I I understand that the baby is dying and that sucks, but tomorrow you're still going to have all of this family. I, I'm, yes. And what I'm saying is, think of how many people have died in that sick bay during this series. Crew members. He was, he was less busted up about Sim. Sim, he didn't give one shit about because he, that was a harvest man. That was a man he made to take his man organs to put inside another man they liked. Yeah. He cries about this baby. And I literally just typed here, what is happening? Like, did I miss everything going on with this baby when I was skipping the Mayweather stuff? Archer makes a big big speech and the Enterprise crew get their cool congratulations at the end like they always wanted. It was a two for me because of utter confusion. I didn't understand the motivations of anybody in this episode. Quick ones? I have a few. Like I said, when Tam Elburn's running around trying to get people to block the signal, he's like, I want that signal blocked! But, like, he doesn't try to turn off the TV all the ambassadors are watching. (laughs) Or, like... If he's afraid they're going to see him do that because they want to watch it, he should maybe just, like, have somebody turn it off by accident. Trip on the plug. Yeah. Or <laughs> just be like, oh, I guess we can't watch it. I don't know what to tell you guys. Cut power to the building and then shout, Terra Prime did it. And then. Yeah. Instead, he throws a cool watch party for the guy's Hitler speech. And uh, yeah. I didn't understand that. That seemed like yeah, that wasn't that wasn't consistent. Paxton says, all the rocking in the world won't make that baby human, nor Vulcan. What? (laughs) Did he think she was trying to shake its genes loose or something? (laughs) What? What does that dialogue mean? It's as if he was like, why does she care about this baby? (laughs) But instead of saying, why do you care about this? You know we made that in a lab. I made it. Instead of saying that, he's just like, you idiot. (laughs) Then he says he won't let that baby make him extinct. Dude, you created the baby. This is a problem entirely of your own making. Why are you acting like it's a dastardly plot designed to kill you and your kind? You made it. I really think the writers forgot what happened. 
I think they wrote the second part of this episode after a break or maybe after like a night out drinking and they were just like, I don't remember what this what the baby is or what's going on with the baby. Um, I don't when did when was she pregnant? Can one I just need someone to remind me of that. Is that earlier this year was that after it must be after Zindi. Then. Oh, you remember she didn't tell Trip about the baby and then he was mad about he forgave oh, her because he's a good guy. That's right. Then, yeah, she must have been fucking around with that guy. St- Stan? No, that's not the right guy. Whatever the guy's <laughs> name forget, was. I, you're not gonna get it from me, bud. <laughs> Uh, before I skipped one of those Mayweather scenes, I got him for worst actor candidate. You're not gonna manipulate me again. No, it was better. It was more like this. You're not gonna manipulate me again with a real Gorgon delivery. (laughs) Or maybe Ensign Massaro's awful quivering suicide. Yeah. Both of those are candidates. Um... Thank God we only have one more of these. I think this was as unimpressive an episode as I've seen them make, despite the points I gave them up front. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Just a few. Did this guy think showing a picture of a cute, happy baby was going to rile people up? (laughs) That's right. See your devil. You know, there were people who were like, man, I don't... This guy seems a little extreme, but I don't like all these aliens around either, frankly. I, I am worried that we're going to lose... Oh. Look at that cute baby. Well, hey, well, hey little girl. <laughs> playing, he won't stop playing with his feet. Oh, is, is she cute? It doesn't know what feet are yet. <laughs> Nancyline, oh, come in here! Oh, shit, that little baby's just like us. Nancyline, check out that baby. It thinks his toes is a pacifier. I'm just saying, he must have lost some people with that one. That's a bad play. Um, When Reed went to meet with his leather pal, uh, he had on the exact right weight of Columbia sportswear jacket for San Francisco. And you know that every Starfleet officer has that same jacket. Totally nailed it, for sure. Look, you think this is his first time walking around those (laughs) those fucking steamy dogs? No. He's been down there a bunch of times. <laughs> I was so happy when they reused the steamy docks. I was like, oh, oh yeah, good, we're back. That's what that guy wants to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns it's, this is a total throwaway line. It turns out that neither Reed nor Phlox had been to Mars previously. And it's like Starfleet doesn't do any kind of inhospitable planet training on Mars. Seems like you would, for sure. Yeah, they both get out and name whatever. This is my 300th planet I visited or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess they've got the moon for that if they need it, but, like, I just felt like Trip would have been to Mars. Makes you wonder what they do on Mars. What is Mars? No, they won't tell us. It's fine. Well, they're busy slamming comets into it. They don't really do anything useful there yet. On Babylon 5, they tell you a lot more about Mars. Just saying. I mean, that is true. Babylon 5 did Mars better, that's all I'm going to say. No. Look, the sands uh, will run red with earth or blood, alright? Babylon 5 also does pistol suicides better, because when <laughs> this guy puts that thing up to his head and pull, and you, you don't see what happens, but you hear the trigger pull, then it just goes, whoosh, because it's just a little phaser gun or something. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, ah, it's not as dramatic. That's true, and that guy says death first. Or death first. Uh, and blasts himself, it's it's different. Oh wait, he gets blasted by uh, Sheridan. 
Well, their guns are guns. Yes. So. Uh, best actor. Uh, it turns out that fake Tony Todd has been listening to alt-right radio theories about World War Three. Mm-hmm. And uh, worst actor. I mean, it is Masaro. You are correct. <laughs> he was so bad. I was so upset about how long that scene went. Because I'd never seen him before and I didn't know what he was doing there. It's a big waste of minutes where they like call down to Hoshi to because they think Masaro's going to go after Samuels now, mm-hmm. and it's like hold him, or keep an eye on him, hold him there. We're on our way, and then like the guy just runs into Archer in a turbo lift and ices himself, and it's like okay, well, yeah. two two wasted minutes. They could have just found him dead. It, I mean, it is crazy that they just they just inserted a brand new person, yeah, and said this was the bad this was the bad guy. Like they couldn't have made it. If they made it Kelby, that's something. We know him. We do know Kelby. And we know he's a jerk, so it even fits. But, like, to just make it some guy is like, why? As often happens, Ben didn't have any quick hitters on Enterprise. That's fair. One more to go. One more Enterprise to go. Thank God. I bet it's a double. 2021's going to be a lot nicer because of that alone. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, 24, 25 fewer episodes we have to watch, so. Thank God. Third place last week was Deep Space Nine. This week we watched Broken Link. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Odo goes to Garrick's shop. Uh, it looks like Garrick's trying to set Odo up with a Bajoran lady he knows, some cafe owner. And this lady has mad jelly fever. <laughs> she pays Odo some hot compliments about how precise he is. And Odo pretends he isn't interested. Anyway, he doesn't make it out of Garrick's shop. He starts like having a crazy shape-shifting kind of seizure. And Look, uh, I'm gonna I wanna burn, I'm gonna burn a quick hitter early here. Okay. Uh, this woman is so into Odo and so like nervous and twitchy about it that she doesn't seem, she may not mentally be an adult. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It does seem like she's not working with a full deck for sure. sure. Uh, anyway, Odo collapses and then we get credits. Um, Bashir says Odo's physical form is in a constant state of flux for some reason. And Odo is confined to the infirmary for the time being. Meanwhile, Chancellor Gowron makes a big speech on every channel about how they'll never give up the shit that they gained in the Cardassian War. And that the Federation is supposed to leave the Arcanist sector because that has always been Klingon territory. (laughs) Some people say it's not and they're liars. And they all think he's rattling his saber, but Dax says she has some inside info that the Klingons may be close to launching a preemptive strike. Uh, Kira has a sneezing fit, which I guess is a Bajoran pregnancy thing. That doesn't matter for this episode. And they all argue about whether to go visit Odo. Um, <coughs> Kira does... I mean, it's weird that it starts okay. with a dire conversation about the Klingon Empire, yes. but it quickly becomes a, <laughs> Hey, our buddy Odo's in the infirmary. 
<laughs> and then Susuko orders everybody not to go visit him. Well, Kira knows better. She brings him the criminal activity report. And Odo takes a look at that shit. And he knows now he's got to go stop a smuggler right now by himself. And he goes to the cargo bay to confront the smuggler. It's a lady we've seen before. Wasn't she doing some Umok business with, um, sorry, some Umok's business with uh, Quark one time? Yeah, she's been in a couple of them, and she has a name, but it's never set on screen. And so I didn't write it down. Uh, I believe it's uh, <laughs> Droopy McCool is her name. <laughs> That's um, right, it's Droopy McCool. And uh, anyway, he has another freak out and collapses into a gross puddle in the cargo bay. So he really should not have tried to do that. No, this is, I mean, maybe Kira turns out was wrong. Yeah. Like, she expected him not to go slurping down to the cargo bay. Why did she bring him that? Yeah. Back in the infirmary, Odo's in bad shape. Uh, shape. See what I did? He's in bad shape. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, Bashir gives a couple of half-hearted treatment suggestions, but he seems to know what Odo's going to say next. That the only way he'll be safe is to go back to the founders. They'll know how to treat him. They've seen all the diseases or something. Yeah, this isn't a like a weird flu that he picked up out here in the Alpha Quadrant that mm-hmm. not only will they not know about, but that he'll give to all <laughs> give of them. Give to all of the changelings ever. Um, I mean, obviously Cisco's down. He's always down for a Gamma Quadrant adventure, so he lays out the plan for this one. Um, they're about to leave, but Garrick asks to join them. Garrick says he wants to ask the Founders what happened to the Cardassians that attacked their homeworld. Cisco doesn't say, I'll just ask them for you. No. <laughs> he says, okay, you can come along. You can come along as long as you promise to sit in Odo's room and tell him a bunch of stories about your spy shit, because he eats that up. Yeah. Wait, is that Bashir? I don't remember. You know all those cool lies you like to tell? Go tell some of those to Odo. It'll entertain him while he's sick here. Uh, anyway, he knows Garrick will give him what he really needs. Mystery. Yeah. We did actually learn that during Improbable Cause, that Odo was big into the Garrick mystery. Um... Odo walks a weird gauntlet of onlookers to the Defiant, like a like a dead man walking. I don't know what that was for. I, everybody gave him a bunch of weird goodbyes, like like maybe because it was a season finale, people at home were supposed to think Odo was going to get it or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, cut to Garrick giving Odo his entertainment, lots of stories about being a gardener on Romulus and assassinations. It's not really important. The Defiant is eventually detected by the Dominion, and lots of Jamadar ships show up. That Founder Lady, you know, that one. Uh, and some Jamadar beam over, and before it gets really ugly, it's okay if O'Brien gets pushed around a little bit. The found- <laughs> I wanted to push him around after his bridge conversation. We'll He's talk about it later. always making these stupid bridge comments. Someone should grab him right by the heart, like that Jamadar did. Someone, someone should say, Chief, I know you didn't go to officer school and like this is all kind of new and i don't know what went on on uh, ben maxwell's ship but uh seriously we try trying to keep a professional bridge here by the maybe way, don't complain about your wife by the way what is that what does that jimidor do to him <laughs> i watched it it looks like he it's pinched a, him it's a, a very interesting question because he appears to have like grabbed his sternum <laughs> in a way that doesn't seem physically possible yeah. Yeah. Like, if he could do that, O'Brien would be in a lot of medical jeopardy, I think. I would think so, yeah. But he, like, it looks like he just kind of pinches him, and O'Brien's like, ow! That really hurt! Uh, anyway. 
uh, the founder de-escalates the situation, and uh, they agree, eventually, to let Ajemhadar pilot the Defiant to the founder's new home. Because it's the only way they'll be allowed to accompany Odo to the Great Link, which is the only thing that can cure him. Uh, the founder comes to see Odo, Garrick, and Bashir. She, uh... She asks the other two to leave, and she links with Odo, and his symptoms are all relieved. Oh, no. After that, she has to talk to Odo in private. Um, this lady founder knows everything about Kira's romantic life again. and <laughs> Fucking everybody does. Claims she knows every damn thing about DS9. And the lady's still mad at Odo for killing that changeling. However many episodes ago that was now. You know, the one he fried on the warp core. And Odo doesn't even try. Technically, it was the warp core that killed him. <laughs> That's right. In sci-fi, you can do that kind of thing. You can talk your way out of anything. You know, from a certain <laughs> point of view, you killed him. Um, The lady did give Odo this disease, as Odo suspected, so he'd have to return home and be judged. Um, If he refuses to do it, the disease will kill him anyway, so... Yeah, luckily for her, the idea of being judged makes him solid again. He loves that. He loves justice. He says it all the time. Garrick confronts the founder, who says, uh, nope, no Cardassian survivors, and also Cardassia is ultra-fucked for attacking them. Like, she's gonna yeah. get them. And Garrick makes some crazy eyes at her. Uh, Odo comes to the mess hall and tells the crew that they're not to try and help him. He needs to be judged for the death of that other changeling. Um, but Sisko and Bashir are going to accompany Odo to the surface. Uh, and they do, and he walks into a gooey ocean to be judged. Back on Defiant, Worf finds Garrick doing some sneaky computer business. Garrick was trying to get control of the weapons and blast the Dominion to hell. Kind of like the original plan, but just with one ship. Yes. Um, he tries to convince Worf to let him do it, but they end up brawling. Garrick holds his own for a bit, but Worf is a tournament fighter, so yeah. he takes this one pretty easy. Uh, Odo flops around a bit, and then he's deposited onto the planet's shore or whatever as a, a naked human. Somehow the founders are able to do that. They made they made him they transmogrify him <laughs> until he is. Don't don't get it wrong. He's a Bashir human. says he is. Human. Human. They picked human. They didn't pick Bajoran or anything. They straight up said human. You know, because Odo has had so much history with humans. That's why they did that. Um, Bashir confirms the results. They talk about how Odo still doesn't have a normal face. And they head for home. Odo and Garrick chat at the tailor shop since Odo actually needs clothes now. Garrick's going to get six months in jail for trying that genocide. Yeah. Six months. Well, listen, by Cisco's standards, six months is kind of a lot. I mean, Quark, yeah, Quark no, should be doing life for some of the shit he's pulled. Hella life, and obviously Picard... Instead, they're just bringing him chairs and tables and stuff when he gets runs afoul of the Ferengi Commerce Association. <laughs> they're all their best friends. And you know what Picard would have said about Garrick's crime, so... Uh, there's no law in the books for it. Nope. Mm. Um... That lady from the teaser comes back, and she's still got the hots for Odo, even though he can't be jelly anymore. No. Finally, Odo reveals he learned some shit from the other changelings. Uh, as Gowron makes another ultimatum on the screen about the Arcanist Sector or whatever, Odo reveals that Gowron is a fucking 
changeling. He saw it in the link end of season. What do we got? What was this one about? Uh, I mean, Ben thinks that being cast out is a primal and terrible punishment for any sentient being because we need to belong. Okay. Uh, and for him, and this was his pick of the week, and for him that was worth a four. Uh, this is really a plot episode. Yeah. Because one of those ones that kind of has themes more than a message. I would agree with that. Again, Odo has to choose between his life and the judgment of his society, his place in society, whatever that means. It's it's another one of these episodes. We've had a bunch of them. We just did one with Quark. Yes. About how much of your identity is being a part of your society and how important that is and can you survive without that. And again, he ends up an outcast just like Quark, Worf, Garrick, etc., People ultimately deciding that they can live outside of society, the society that raised them particularly, is becoming the theme of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But, like, how many points can that keep earning? Yep. Do you know what I mean? When I have the same take over and over again, eventually it does start to lose points. Because <laughs> I'm like, I get it. I, I'm totally on board. It'd be one thing if TOS had done one episode kind of in this vein and TNG had done one kind of in this vein. I mean, they just did Half a Life. Right. So, but like, which is, which is resolved in such a TNG way. It's crazy, but it's a lot in deep space nine. So again, not a consistent message on this theme. And we've seen this theme a lot here. I only gave it three points. Okay. Um, I was with Ben on this in terms of the number. I gave it a four and I was, I think I was the same on the take two. The worst punishment is losing your home. Maybe. I don't know. Like I said, it was about Odo. He gives that speech to Cisco near the end about losing his identity or whatever. I couldn't really tell what we were supposed to take away from it, but that is, that's what I settled on. Uh, breaking into execution. Uh, Ben gave it a six. Um, he says the founders are very confident that Odo would come back to them. I guess not just die somewhere out there. Why doesn't Odo just hang out in his bucket while he's having solidity problems? That is a question I asked myself while I was watching. I was like, well, if you can't stay Odo, just, like, become goo. Yeah, become Mr. Bucket. You're, you're goo a lot of the time. What's, what's the problem? Um, and he liked the horror on Garrick's face when the founder tells him that all of Cardassia is super fucked. Uh, I was just a four. As I said above, I didn't even know what they wanted us to understand about Odo in this one. Like you said, it was mostly a plot episode. Events transpire, but motivations are mostly ignored. All the goodbyes that Odo gets when he's, like, heading out to the Defiant, it does seem like they were trying to get people to think Odo was going to eat it or leave the show in some capacity. Um, This one sets up the next season with another Klingon plot, though at least this is Dominion-related now. Man, they really put the whole show on pause for Worf, huh? Yeah, and you know, it's like, uh, it came from Network. They didn't want to. Yeah, but like, they had... They had to suddenly scramble and do a bunch of Klingon shit, and it really ate a whole season, and they're just now able to tie it together. Yeah, like they did... All of season three is like, oh, the Dominion's coming, you better watch out, the Dominion's coming. And then they add Worf, and they're like, okay, season four's about Klingons. (laughs) Just go, oh... (laughs) 
Uh, it's not going to confuse people. No, nah, don't worry about it. We're going to have so yeah, many games to capture adventures. F- 5% more of the TNG audience. Yeah. <laughs> they think they're going to follow Worf. Um, so yeah, so at least this is now tied in in some way. Um, as always, my favorite parts were the Garrick bits. He's just the most fun to watch. Um, but just a four for me. I, it, wasn't, it didn't seem like it was about much, so it was hard to really say it did well. What about you? I guess I liked it a point better. Okay. I gave it a five. Um, there's no attempt to explain how they infected Odo. I assumed that Wayun did it last week. Oh, yeah. But that's not confirmed. And it's like, if the changelings can get to and replace Gowron, maybe we don't actually need it explained how they got this disease to Odo. That seems like a much, uh, much yeah. easier task. Also, if they can transmogrify um, a person. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. I didn't think Kira's sneezing or O'Brien airing his grievances on the bridge were really useful this week. No. I did like Garrick making big moves. He was going to try to do a genocide. He was going to do a full genocide knowing that they would also be killed and he didn't care. Although... Cisco was down on the planet. Yeah, they Worf talks about how they would have been killed too or whatever and he's like, so? Um, although... Now that I think about it, maybe this is theory corner. Did Garrick want to get caught? Did <laughs> Super Spy Garrick miss a security monitor? That's what he says. That's when Worf question. catches him, he says, I must have missed one of the security monitors. Uh, that's kind of, for well, someone you've made a Super Spy in the other episodes, that's kind of a crazy one. Maybe he wanted. Maybe to he was caught. hoping the Federation response would be characteristically slow and gentle. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, unknown. We'll see if uh, the next time we see Garrick after his prison bid, any of that comes up. Yeah. Um, like you said, the Klingon arc has been a big derail, so the ending of this one, tying it back into the Dominion line, is helpful. Yes. And, like, knowing what happens in the rest of the series, like, I know where it goes from here. But I would still be, like, more Klingon business? I guess it's Dominion business, but it's still Klingon. Like, when this episode started and Gowron was ranting, I would have been like, we're still doing this, huh? Hmm. (sighs) World building. Um, Ben's a seven. Damn. He, uh... He feels like he looked up a bunch of stuff about about Odo. He learned a bunch of stuff about Odo. And a bunch of stuff about Klingons and the Cardassians. Like you mentioned, the uh, Klingon claims for Arcanus, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also points out that if the founders can make human parts, then that blood test that we've been using <laughs> this season probably ain't real good. Yep. Just ain't real good. Yeah. They don't, uh, they, I am, they don't even need uh, Cisco's dad's cool plan. Yeah, I am not a seven, but I do I do fundamentally think that there's a lot of world building in this episode Okay, with regard to the Dominions and the Klingons. The Klingons are about to go to war, but uh, per Odo, Gowron is a changeling. Right. Um, and... That's world building. That's going to be what the next season is about. So I'm going to say five. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, Gowan wants the Arcanus Sector back. We learned that the Klingons renounced it 400 years ago, though. Not why. That doesn't sound like them, but apparently they did. Also, to whom? Just to gen- general? Uh, anyone, can, is, uh, anyone can have it? Because... So that was before the Federation was uh, a thing. Um, we learned from Odo in the end that Galron's a changeling. Uh, the whole thing about Odo's illness, the founders that made him sick in some way, so he'd have to come home, and then they turn him into a turn him into a human. Yeah, it turns out that they believe in ironic punishments. <laughs> they do. It happens a lot in sci-fi. Yeah, a lot more than in real life. Yes. The punishments for most crimes in real life are mostly the same and just vary in intensity. We don't really... Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's hard to regulate ironic punishments, I guess. Yeah, they they seem like all a bunch of Maj Kalas, these fucking Dominions. <laughs> Wasn't that his whole deal? Didn't he love ironic punishments? He's like, I'll drop you off on a prehistoric planet and you'll be the ones without technology. How do you like that? Yeah. That was that was his whole deal. Uh, I guess his whole deal was uh, never trust a big button a smile, though, huh? <laughs> he he should have listened. He well, th- listen. One of the ways in which they were technologically deficient was they'd never heard they didn't have Bell Biv DeVoe. It is a real problem for a society for sure. Can you really be an advanced society without a Bell Biv DeVoe? Good question. What if you have the rest of the East Coast family? Does that make up for not having Bell Biv DeVoe? If you got boys to men, you're probably okay, but I don't know about ABC and, and any of the other ones. Some of the the the, real, the B team. Um, again, I don't know how they straight turn Odo into a human. What is that? How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> no one says, how does that work? No one says, ah, wait a minute. What? Hold on. They can do that? We should surrender. They can no. straight turn him into a human? Uh, now, there is that moment when when Poe says, somehow, Odo has been turned into a human. <laughs> yep. Sith. Dark Sith arts or whatever. Uh, big reveals, but I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they mean for the universe. Um, so I have it as a four only on this one. Characters. Characterization. Yeah, Ben gave it a six. Uh, he called... I know what I highlighted originally on this one. He called that Bajoran Akira stand-in. Yeah. Whoa. Hold on a second. She's a whole person. Yeah, just because she's also Bajoran. Ridiculous. I don't... I mean, is that why Garrick is facilitating this? Is he like, well, I know one thing about Odo. He likes Bajoran ladies. Oh, maybe. Probably because that was the lady on board who was horny for Odo. Oh, wait. He 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 did marry a Beta Z woman. It's true. So, well, anyway, this lady's one of the two things he likes. Uh, yeah, um, he liked all the personal relationship touches between people in this episode. He probably means all the good, all the individual goodbyes Odo got to have or whatever. Uh, and Garrick uh, is pretty good at hand-to-hand fighting. Um, I was a little bit lower. I was a four again. Garrick setting up Odo with a girl must be a ploy of some kind, right? Is what I have written here. <laughs> Like, it's the idea whenever Garrick does anything, right? Yeah, is why would he you're supposed to go, what's the deal here? What's going on now? Yeah. Uh, he sees the trip to the Gamma Quadrant as an opportunity to do a hot scheme. I'm guessing he's looking for Tane. Uh, Garrick tries to do a revenge, even if it means they all die. He fails and gets six months in jail for his attempted genocide. Worf feels comfortable speaking on behalf of his frenemy, Odo. 
because they're alike, I guess. <laughs> He's like, Odo wouldn't like that. I know yeah. Odo. Uh, because we already have O'Brien and Keiko, why do we need Dax and Worf to be set up as the Magnificent Bickersons? Good question. I don't really understand what we're doing on that. Like, we've got... All they do is fight. We got O'Brien and Keiko. We don't need this to be the relationship. Why can't they have just a cool adult relationship? Well, the studio forced them to add Worf, and so, you know, that cuts into Keiko minutes. Oh, for sure. Worf's, Worf ate up everyone's minutes. We've seen it most with Kira, I mean, but everybody. Mostly Kira. <laughs> everybody had to take a hit this fucking season. Uh, Quark says a heartfelt goodbye to his best friend, Odo. Um... O'Brien is nervous about Kira and Keiko talking about him behind his back. Why? That's what does he think? A gross idea. What does he think? One. What does he think Keiko's going to tell Kira about him? Yep. Second. What does Kira what know about does he, him? What does Kira know about him to tell Keiko? That's a very. That's a. That's an odd. I one. have a theory about that, which is that. She can tell Keiko about how much complaining (laughs) O'Brien does about Keiko while he's on duty. Maybe that's it. Maybe that is the whole deal. She's going to blow up. There could be a moment where Kira says, you know, I know everything about you, right? (laughs) He never shuts up about you. Not good stuff. It's not good stuff. Never a good stuff. It's like a compliment one fiftieth of the time. Maybe I don't even know if he likes your kid, honestly. Like he, 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 whenever he talks about her, it's just that he doesn't get any alone time, but he really doesn't like you. One time he said Molly's name and then spit and then said, uh, sorry, a bug flew in my mouth, <laughs> but I don't think a bug flew in his mouth. <laughs> uh, Odo loves being told he's precise. Um, he still loves a good mystery, insists on being judged by the founders, and he gets to say he's lost part of his identity, and all he has left is his job, damn it. Loves justice. Um, so, yeah, just a four. I wish they'd, I wish they'd done a little bit more with it, if, since we're going to have a big Odo episode. Uh, I also gave it a four. You know what Odo's going through with this because of all the characterization work that's done over the last four years. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to have it explained to us why he would be ashamed of his shape-shifting disease or why this walk to the runabout or to the Defiant is rough for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but his decision to accept the Founder's judgment because he fucking loves justice could have used a quick polish. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we can accept that maybe it's really about something else. He's got some desire for affirmation from his people or to explain himself or something. And he's using justice as a shorthand. But I would have liked more here. They really expect us to just eat that yeah. the way Cisco eats it. Yeah. Like I said, it would have been cool if they'd done some Odo work in this Odo episode for sure. But you're, I mean, you're right yeah. that they did. Lay, they've laid a lot of groundwork for him. Yeah, we know a lot. Like, Odo has, uh, we've seen before, he's very ashamed about losing control of his shape yes there's a whole episode where he had to go into loaxana's dress yes not in that Um, way but the other way right sure uh uh, who knows what else he had to do to be legally married to her though but (laughs) um, society did have a lot of rules it's possible that society had some rules so but less so like you know 
that we don't I don't need them to fill in that stuff but this is this thing where he he comes in and he's like I know you're probably working on a plan to get me out of there if, if this goes sideways but uh, just stop because I love justice and I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't face justice <laughs> yes, that's for... just, that is dumb <laughs> that's dumb and that could like I said that could have used work yeah if he'd either um, said or if if you got the even if he didn't say it if you got the impression he was doing it to save them like if he was like sacrificing himself because he knew they'd be killed in the attempt to save him or something or if you got the feeling he really did feel very guilty about killing that changeling right. something like that would have been better yeah uh, obviously Garrick has a good outing both with Odo and in his scene with Worf um and you, I, I think you and Ben both picked up on a look he gave the founder when she went crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I missed that. When she did her uh, Tupac he rant. Yeah. Her uh, phone <laughs> was going to make sure all of his kids don't grow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, O'Brien is a real clown, though, complaining about his wife and Kira at work. These people know both of them. They run into them socially. Like, Yeah. Oh. Leave it. This ain't cool. Have you worked with real gossips before? Like, just big gossips? Uh, I have definitely worked with a couple of older male... Particularly when I was starting out. A couple of older male engineers who had a lot of complaints about their wife. Okay. The feeling I've always gotten about people who talk shit to you is that the instant you leave, they will talk shit about you. Oh, of course. Just Why like, would you trust them to do anything else? Yeah, and if the if he's complaining about his coworker, who he sees every single day, Kira, and his wife, to everyone else on the bridge, they must all be going. I'm gonna walk out of the room. He's gonna talk about my haircut or something. Uh huh. Like this fucking guy. You cannot trust this piece of shit at all. Yeah, he's a real clown. He lowered my whole characterization score down to a four. <laughs> That's right. So. Yeah. Anyway, even in a Garrick episode. Yep. Um, I have a few quick hitters. Uh, Ben uh, asked if uh, Terry Farrell got some acting lessons because she's had a couple of pretty decent outings. I think they're figuring out better how to use her, mm-hmm. and they're they're staying a little bit away. Like her character is becoming more relatable. Yeah, it seems more like a person. She's not just doing techno babble every week. Yeah, it's less techno babble and also less. Now remember, you're really seven people, oh, and yeah. it, that's you're very mysterious yeah. and and you're extremely enigmatic. And so now she can do a, now she can do a little joke about uh, when how they all feel naked out there. She thinks it's funny the image of being surrounded by all these naked men. Yeah, she um, um, she definitely never knew what to do with fucking enigmatic. She didn't understand that one. I, and I assume, by the way, that she got very poor direction. Yes, on that idea because they only half had an idea. So that's true. Um, you know, she has taken most of the worst actor hits in the series so far. I agree. I think they're figuring out better ways to use her. And as a result, her scenes are getting better. Mm-hmm. I super did hate in that Loxana scene when she said, I'm just so sad. <laughs> yes. Well, they were all sad at the table. It wasn't that good. That sucked. Yeah. Um, my quick hitters. Um, Garrick seems like a pal, but like this lady knows the exact minute Odo passes by her shop. Mm. She could say hi to him if she wanted to. 
Yeah, and by the way... Like, this doesn't need to be arranged. Kind of surprising she hasn't, because she is very forward. Yes. Uh, Bashir says that normally Odo's mass and density both change when he changes his shape. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that has to be the truth, because otherwise how could Rom carry him in (laughs) on a tray as a glass? Yes, exactly. But like, ah... How come that's not fascinating to anyone? <laughs> that's right. His well, mass changes? I mean, it goes to explaining how they can turn him into a human, for sure. Their powers are fucking vast. Yeah. That's a wild one. Is it powered by thought? <laughs> it could be. They could be on that traveler tip, for sure. Yeah. Cisco ending his briefing and then turning and saying as if he just thought of it to Kira. How is the constable? Really makes it seem like he's forgotten the little guy exists. Well, they, it's, it's, They've worked together for years. He could at least have stopped by. It's exactly what Odo was afraid of the whole time Eddington was there. That he was being pushed out of the fucking picture. And uh, even though Eddington's gone, it's kind of true. I mean, it was I, w- I was legitimately sad on Odo's... I know they don't have a lot of work together, but I was legitimately sad on Odo's behalf when Cisco wrapped up that Dominion briefing and then or that Klingon briefing and then said, Hmm. How is the constable? What? I should send him a card, I guess? Is that, does he like cards? Uh, O'Brien desperately worried that Kira and Keiko are talking about his lumpy dong or whatever. <laughs> like, what does he... Especially given that the, the then Molly laughed at him? What? What does he think that conversation was? Was it like... He always smells like cabbage, and then Kira was like, he does always smell like cabbage, and then Molly had a big laugh. I mean, that is the kind of thing that a little kid would think was pretty funny, probably. I mean, I think it's funny, so yeah. (laughs) It must have sucked for poor Renee having to wear this melty makeup. Now it's all wet. I know he had to wear makeup every single hour of every single day he was on this show. (laughs) Yep. And that must have sucked, but like this one looks particularly bad. And then uh, six months for attempted genocide. Uh, even if it's six months just for uh, attempting to hack into the Defiant. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Federation. The, the Klingons are right about you. You're soft. <laughs> I don't understand how that's going to be a deterrent for sure. Also, by the way, Quirk successfully hacked the Defiant. Why isn't he in jail? I know he only made it do Quirk mugs that start the talk when Warf orders prune juice, but like... Hey, he got in. He's got this thing about him where you just want to like him. They they won't do anything to punish him for any of his major crimes. Best actor, um, the Jem'Hadar all look like big goofy dogs, and I love it. <laughs> they all have dog face, and I don't, I can't explain it, but like, when they beam in and... She tells that guy to put his rifle away or whatever. The Jem'Hadar behind her just like just straightens up and his face goes blank and he looks like a big dumb golden retriever. <laughs> and I'm into it. I wonder if it's um, their behavior. I wonder if they remind you of dogs. I guess so, huh? Yeah. And then for worst actor, Odo's new girlfriend seems like she's emotionally about 12. So... What about you? Uh, as always, most of my quick hitters were in my description. The only one I wrote down after was Bashir's a real twit, huh? I'm just going to throw <laughs> that rock into that great link. He really was. He almost did it. What? 
I know you've been down there a while, but come on, man. That's you're gonna also, hit, hit a changeling in the dick or something. The Great Link was huge this time. It was, it was very big. How many founders are? It seems like a lot. If each one is generally the size of Odo, though, again, uh, they, can they can change their, their mass, mass density, density at will. Density, so they could be fucking dinosaur sized or whatever. Um, yeah, but it was it was pretty vast. Well, that's that one. What's next? One of them just felt like being a whole ocean, I guess. That's right. Well, yeah, one's an ocean and the other ones are all Odo sized. Uh, second place last week was Voyager. Oh, wow, that is rare. This week we watched Extreme Risk. Belana is doing some crazy skydiving on the holodeck. Hell yeah, they built that suit for generations and they're gonna use it. <laughs> she overrides the safety protocols, she says, because it's more fantastical? Anyway, <laughs> uh, then she jumps out of the shuttle in the program, but uh, on the way down, Chaco calls and tells her to report to engineering on the double. She uh, runs into Seven on the way and she makes an excuse to abandon whatever dumb probe thing they're working on, and she puts Seven in charge. Credits. The Malon show up again. You remember them. They were the guys in the void. I mean, not that particular guy. He's dead. No, he dead for sure. But, you know, these, that species. These guys show up again, and they're trying to steal Voyager's probe. <laughs> the probe got stuck in a gas giant. Janeway put it there to stop them from catching it. They were trying it's to as catch if them. the writers said, could we have there be some pack leads out here? <laughs> and someone said, no. What, if, what about green pack leads, though? And they went, okay. Just use the... We still have the model. Just use the Malon. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, Jamie throws it into a gas giant to stop them from catching the probe, and the probe is supposed to be testing Borg shielding or something, so it it holds up to the pressure of the gas giant, but the Malon ship fucking goes after it and isn't, isn't as lucky. They're really dumb, huh? They just flew in after that probe and died. <laughs> it's not smart, That's if that's what you're asking. Extremely dumb. Uh, you know, YouTube has like a really bad algorithm, just like a, the worst <laughs> algorithm. And like, you'll watch a video of like a, a cute bunny and then it'll be like the next video it recommends is a deer commits suicide. And you go, well, that's what I didn't want that. But anyway, I played, well, this is awful. I played the video of the deer committing suicide and it really just jumps off a highway to its death. And then I watched that and I was upset. But anyway, that's what these Malons seemed like they did. They just went down in there and died. Um, <laughs> they just fucking followed it in. It doesn't make any sense. It's very dumb. Uh, Balana shows up late to the staff meeting afterward and is not remotely interested in figuring out how to get the probe out of the gas giant. Um, TP unveils his brilliant design for a new shuttle, the Delta Flyer. Is he a? He's a design engineer. He's a. He's an aircraft. He's an aerospace engineer. Like well, he does say it's got advanced aerodynamics. It's insane. Um, but then later, despite the advanced aerodynamics, he tries to add random fins because they look cool. Which, frankly, <laughs> did you do a new yeah. aerodynamic study? It's cool if they look cool, but the ship's still got to fly, buddy. Uh, no, don't worry. It'll make other species afraid of us. He's such a fucking dummy. Um, everyone gets super excited about building this new shuttle. Except Balana. Who does not give a shit. 
even when Seven criticizes her in a little while, she does not care at all. TP gets mad at her and says that she owes him an explanation. <laughs> and she pieces out and goes off to fight Cardi's on the holodeck without the holodeck safeties. Another Malon ship shows up and accuses Voyager of blowing up the other ship. And um, they say they're going to take that probe as payment. So they're still after this probe. They, they must, want the probe. They must know it has Borg shielding or something. They want it. <laughs> no, it, it's multi-spatial technology, Matt. Oh, is that what it this is? This has been explained three times already at this point in the episode oh. that that's why they want it. For the multi-spatial technology. Right. Whatever that is. I don't know what that means. Janeway threatens and condescends as always. They can use it, Matt, to find new places to dump garbage oh. if they have the multispatial technology. See, you know, like in that void where they were dumping garbage. Because we were told that that guy was doing that. But I guess... It's not just, it's not just one aspect of Malon society <laughs> that they're not good with their waste. It's driving these people to their deaths to find <laughs> this new technology, to find a new way to dump garbage. How very Star Wars of them to turn it's these aliens. It's extremely Star Wars. They're all now trash guys. That's it. Hold on, I gotta knock a, I gotta knock a point out of my world building. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Janeway sees this guy and she threatens and condescends, as always. And she literally threatens him. She tells him if he ever sees anything yes. with the Voyager logo on it, to just fucking turn around and go home. It's cr- it's fucking crazy. She makes a weirdly she makes a territorial claim to the Arcanus sector. <laughs> yes, it's very odd. The guy doesn't know what that is. She says everybody knows that that's Federation space. She gets worse every week. Um. Anyway, now the race is on. They gotta build a shuttle and get to that probe first. I guess I don't know. Like I, I, technically, we find out later. Seven detects the Malon are building their own shuttle, but I I thought it was clear from this scene that the, the race was on. Because they were sending do- seven it. turns turns out has been doing some real spy shit. But yes, at this point they got to get to that probe quick. Yeah, uh, Balana gets back to her quarters and she's all beat to hell. She uses her private dermal regenerator or whatever <laughs> and heals up. She spent some replicator rations on that, I guess. Then she does some acting in front of the mirror. Oh, I could not. Boy, it is. It's really left wide open. What's happening in that mirror <laughs> shot, huh? I thought she was going to break the mirror. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought she was going to punch it. They've been doing a lot of mirror work on Voyager lately, and I'm not sure it's working for them. (laughs) They should probably reconsider. (laughs) Then she goes for a cool late night hang with Neelix. She asks him for some banana pancakes. He is very nice and plays along, even though the place is clearly closed. He just goes to the replicator. And by the way, does that mean he was spending replicator rations? I have five questions about it in my notes. Anyway, despite wasting whatever replicator ration they used to make those pancakes, she takes one bite and bails. Seven detects <clears throat> the Malon are building their own shuttle, and now now the race is on, like Donkey Kong. I know I said before it was on, but really, I thought they'd trust us enough to not have to come back for another round on this arms race, but it's, the race is on. Yeah. Uh, Balana ditches the gang, building the shuttle, to go onto the holodeck and test some microfracture issues they're having with the design. I think because it's habit now, she turns the holodeck safeties off. And she gets knocked out by one of those fucking panels. <laughs> one of those exploding fucking panels. I also love the idea that if the holodeck safeties had been on, it would have prevented her from bumping her head. <laughs> I know, it's true. It's the force knocks her back. It's yeah. like... Well, they programmed the holodeck with Million Dollar Baby. 
so it knows <laughs> what happens sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, Chaco comes and rescues her. Uh, meanwhile, only because they can't fucking find her. Yes, but she gets Barkley'd. Yeah, she. Where is she? She's on the holodeck. What? Uh, meanwhile, the Malon are venting radioactive waste to damage Voyager, and their captain calls to taunt them about how much quicker his shuttle's going to be ready. It's a weird plan. Uh, Balana awakens in sickbay, and Janeway confronts her about how many injuries they detected from her crazy holodeck shit. Uh, she's taken off the shuttle mission, but she didn't care about that anyway. Janeway tells her... Janeway tells Balana's two male friends all about her crazy medical <coughs> issues. Uh-huh. Because what are medical ethics in the 24th century? Um, Chaco, because I guess he's in charge of her as a male that she trusts, goes to see her and tells her to take him to the holodeck so he can see what she's been doing. Then he manhandles her a lot and makes her play a program about the Maquis dying that she played once. That he has reason to believe she finds unsettling. Yeah, that she apparently played once before she started doing all the crazy stuff and hurting herself. She says she just wants to feel something, and I can appreciate this. <laughs> she doesn't feel pain anymore. She doesn't feel anything about TP or Chaco or her job or anything else. Then she says she's lost every family she's ever had, and I guess, again, it's most recently about all the Maki dying. Chaco gives her a pep talk. About how Voyager yeah. is her family. And how they are And nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> they aren't going anywhere. It's not like we're in danger Fuck. every week. Like fucking clockwork. Not like three weeks ago we ran out of gas and we got cloned. <laughs> I guess it works though. Uh, the pep talk works. I'm not sure why. She begs Chaco to let her back on the shuttle mission. Uh, the Malon attack Voyager to distract them while they launch their shuttle. So TP, Seven, Harry, and Balana head out on the shuttle to retrieve that probe. Shit. It's weird that Janeway didn't send Tuvok and Chicote also. Just put all your eggs in that basket. <laughs> uh, shit gets hairy. Balana rigs up some shit. They're saved. Doesn't matter. The Malon shuttle gets stuck, but Janeway doesn't care about these dudes, so they warp out of there. Oh, they do. They just. But listen, at warp two, yeah, she heads slowly. out of there real slow. Didn't really taunt them. She slow walks it out of there for sure. Balana thanks Chaco again for the cool pep talk and goes and orders some banana pancakes. And um, she feels happy again, man. Not sure why. It's all fixed. But uh, it's yeah. over now. <laughs> what was this one about? Uh, in the end, I don't think they had anything more specific to say this week than the standard, if you don't face up to your problems, you can't hope to overcome them. Okay. It's true, but there are about 15 episodes on this theme already. Yeah. They don't... They don't... The episode is called Extreme Risk, <laughs> and it touches on themes of, like, depression and self-harm. Uh-huh. But they don't have anything specific to say about self-harm or about risk-taking behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I gave it a four because that's what that standard take is worth, but it's disappointing, frankly. Yeah. They, they picked a big topic that they it was too big for them, and but it... 
it, there's a lot to talk about in that space, and they just didn't? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, Ben gave it a two. Mental health issues are real, people. But don't worry, most of it can be solved with a little exercise, commitment to work, and banana pancakes. Almost a really I mean, good take that they just don't form correctly and never land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was in the same boat. I gave them four points for trying. For sort of trying. For bringing something up. Um, and uh, listen, the background material for this one is that Roxanne Dawson wanted to do this episode because she had been reading and I guess ruminating a lot on uh, the epidemic of self-harm among women mm-hmm. and how it seems to be you know, the little acts of self-harm seem to be something that, that women undertake more than men. And so she wanted to do this, but she just gave the idea yes. to the writing team. And then the Star Trek Voyager writing <laughs> team did the episode. And, it comes, and I think that's where the problem was. There is nothing in there at all about uh, what it means to be a woman or anything. Nope. That is nope, not nope, what nope. it's about. Uh, what I had was depression isn't just like crying and listening to the cure. Yes. Is that and what the I point think, was? Uh, to let people know that it presents differently in different people? I don't know. Yeah, so it's not like everything they did about this one was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Because her, although she denies it, she definitely has depression. Yeah. And it is manifesting in her inability to feel things and, you know, going to these, ex, you know, greater and greater extremes and, and doing a bunch of destructive stuff, right? It's not that she's sad all the time. Yes. Yeah. So, like, there's like you can't you can't hate this one entirely because they got a couple of things right but in the end as ben said they just completely failed to land it yeah it's definitely not a big takeaway you obviously don't need sci-fi for a story like this and it's not like they use it in any meaningful way so yeah nope there's nothing about her being a klingon or a weird nebula making it worse or anything like that yeah yeah. That allows you to fit the whole story into 45 minutes, which is how sci-fi would have been useful here. Yeah. And swinging around, my biggest negative point in execution, I have no idea what changes her attitude in the episode. No. Chakotay roughs her up hella good and then gives her a 30-second pep talk full of nothing platitudes. Yeah. And suddenly she's totally switched back on. I mean, that's very bad writing. You gave us 40 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever of her basically trying to kill herself on the holodeck. And then Chaco is like, hey, we're here for you. And then she's like, I'm fucking, it's the same old Bolana. I'm back, baby. And I didn't understand what the point was. Why were they doing that? It's like they asked for approval to do this idea, got the approval, went down to write the episode, and everyone just scratched their head and went, um... Do you guys, does anyone know anything about depression? Are we allowed to say the word depression? Like, what is it? So anyway, um, I didn't even get the feeling she had a ton of support from her colleagues, honestly. <laughs> All that happens is they relieve her of duty. Like, no one really tries anything until Chaco, again, well, gets Jane real hands. leaves in. her in Schmollis' care, and then Schmollis sends her home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He doesn't care. He apparently makes no effort to cure her. He says in another episode that he's all they have for a ship's counselor, but I didn't see any attempts. 
Uh, I hate all the characters so much on this show that it's very hard to get invested in Balana's depression journey. And especially when it's all contained in one episode. Yeah. It's like, she was fine last week. She'll be fine next week. But this week, I really, I'm going to get real worked up about her self-harm. Uh, as always, TNG would have been way more sensitive. Quiet conversations on a beige sofa. No background music. No manhandling. No. But this is a very Voyager take on this. Um, still, for Voyager, this is like as sensitive as it's going to get. <laughs> that they raised an issue is like as good as it's going to get. <laughs> so grading on a curve, I gave it four. Uh, was that premise or execution? That was execution. It was four on both. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, Ben's a two. Ben's a two for execution. Why risk everybody trying to get this probe? The building the Delta Flyer. <laughs> no, for some reason, no one can see that Bolana's depressed. It's mm-hmm. yeah. So no one cares about her well-being. He's a two. I'm a four like you. Some aspects of this one work okay. Everybody takes her depression seriously when they discover it. Like, they're mad slow on the uptake, especially Tom Paris, who (laughs) they have made the distressing choice uh, to be too into this goddamn Delta Flyer (laughs) to notice that his girlfriend is nearly killing herself. Well, I mean, he's always been the universe's worst boyfriend, so I guess that continues. Um, this space race is just kind of B-plot trash. The Malon were an interesting one-off villain, and although I like this guy's portrayal, the salvage mission that turns into a shooting war is entirely unnecessary to the plot. Nothing has changed if you remove that element entirely, and the probe just wanders into that gas giant on its own, and they have to retrieve it. Like, literally no other aspect of the thing has changed. Yep. It doesn't matter that there's a deadline. Yeah. It doesn't. They, sh- uh, it doesn't matter about the other shuttle in the atmosphere. They shoot it two times and it leaves. And the the problem that Bolana has to solve is caused by micro fractures that also have nothing to do with the Malon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could have been removed entirely. The usual problem here with Voyager, there was no arc leading up to this. Yeah. Bolana has been fine for fifteen episodes, maybe a little grumpy, but. <laughs> No evidence at all that she could no longer feel or was detaching from her work and from her personal relationships. Yeah. It just, this week, they tell you that some news that that Chakotay got when they borrowed the Hirogen Array yeah, has, been really, has been really way in honor. And it's like, it's fine that that would upset her. Like, it would be a big reminder that she is away from everybody and that although they're having their own weird little adventure out here, life is going on and it's not necessarily going well for the cause that she believed in and the people she loved. It's fine that that could cause this. It sucks that that that, they decided 15 episodes later that it did. That apparently happened a very long time ago. We saw no signs until today. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but that's... um, that's serialized television. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next Generation would have been in the same boat. They probably would have chosen not to do one of the main characters, though. Right? Like, yeah. it would have been... Uh, 
Troy or Jordy or somebody having to deal with someone who was going through this and not wouldn't just be like, I know Jordy was cool last week, but this week he's going through it, right? So. Am I right, though? It would have been no background music, quiet conversation, beige couch, beige couch or in 10 forward. And they just would have, like, had a lot of talking scenes. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes when we get to Dark Page. And when we get to that one where the guy blows himself up in the nacelle. Oh, those are both season seven, so I think we're going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> I bet they're not going to be good. No. Well, I think that's as close as we're going to get to this. Okay. Uh, maybe some of the discussion in ethics, but we'll see. Okay. Um... On the whole, it was a four for me. All right. Uh, world in, building. In terms of world building, this week, Voyager is all about Borg shit. Borg shielding on this multispatial probe. Uh, Borg weapons on the Delta Flyer. Yeah. Um, we're building the Delta Flyer, so hopefully they're committing to them using that prop a lot from now on. Yep. <sighs> Everything about how they build it sucks, though. Multispatial technology, neutrino spy beams. Um, Janeway expects that one of the crew would have filed an injury report if Bolana had hurt herself in engineering. So that's some paperwork. You know, I like that. Mm -hmm. But you can make a force field that could keep out the atmosphere of a huge gas giant planet with three random components. Yes. One of which seems to be used as a brace. <laughs> it did seem that way. Uh, yep. And that's dumb. That's dumb and bad. I know no one knows how force fields work and no one knows how phasers work. But just deciding, well, we'll just slap them together then is lazy and shitty. Uh, ben liked it even worse. He gave it a one. Mm. Mail on again. Tom designed the Delta Flyer on the sly. No one has ever fixed the safety protocol override thing in the holodeck. And he also brings up the re replicator ration questions from this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, I, okay. Everything having to do with the Delta Flyer, the stupid probe, and all the, <clears throat> all the Borg shit. Atmospheric skydiving stuff, kind of like that Red Bull guy from a few years ago who did that. Yep. That dive from orbit or whatever. Or just below. No, just, he just, just did below it from, orbit. Whatever. From way fucking high up, he jumped out of a hot air balloon, right? Something like that, yeah. Or well, I don't know what the balloon was made of, but from the stratosphere, but not from orbit. Yeah. So kind of like that. Uh, those holodeck safeties are still pretty easy to turn off, and you can just do it without any reason as long as you enter your little code. Uh, return of the Malon. Like you said, Bolana uses a phaser and some metal bullshit to make a force field. Uh, to me, it looked like they told her, just, like, use stuff you see in the room. Yeah. Hey, when you're out there, Roxanne, just, like, you know. Hey, we grabbed a couple of things from a prop closet. We think the f we'll use the phaser to do the effect, so the phaser's got to be part of it. So make the phaser point at the wall, and then just, like, you know, really explore the space. <laughs> just use whatever you find out there. Because <laughs> I didn't think she had any just idea. do some space work. She was looking like she had three puzzle pieces and she was just trying to stick them together and see what worked. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I have to give it a two. 
Well, certainly characterization is going to be strong in this episode, right? It's a big, would, it's a big story. I would think about mental illness. That's where the points would come from. You'd hope. Uh, ben gave it a four. He says he likes the fact that they actually tried. Question mark. Um, uh, she has a crazy tiger claw stance when she's fighting on the holodeck. Paris is a weird nostalgia freak. Chaco got really handsy with Balana. I didn't understand that. Does, does he know that she responds well to that? I don't know. Um, anyway, like most Voyager episodes, he says, this presents a long-term character issue and sort of weakly addresses it and then leaves it in a slightly improved but mostly shrugging emoji or whatever you call it. What are the emoticons? What were those called? Yeah, well, that's what we used to call them, emoticons. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit less. I gave it a three. Balana's doing unsafe holodeck business because of depression. Something about learning about the end of the Maquis, and she took it badly. Now she doesn't feel anything at all. But then she does, so it's fine. TP, still not a good boyfriend. Keeps talking about how much Balana <laughs> owes him, and how she <laughs> fucking owes him an explanation. You know, the I maybe I should give it more points because I could totally see someone like that saying that. Um, Sometimes they do character work that makes sense, but I hate it. Yes, yeah, right. Neelix is at least very nice to Balana. Um, Janeway, fucking Janeway, sucks so hard at diplomacy, and by that I mean she's never heard of it. <laughs> this week she pulls some old school bullshit where you you take a woman's medical information this week and you tell her closest male friends and family all about it so they can make decisions for her she threatens the Malon. she's very condescending and she leaves them there to die in a gas giant yeah can she do anything good ever this week oh any <laughs> of the episodes can she do it is she capable um it's been a while huh I don't know if we ever talked about it, but Tuvok has his full rank back, and I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. When did that happen? He's got his full lieutenant commander shit going on, so. Chaco delivers a below average pep talk that totally does the trick. Oh, it is so rote. I also gave him a three for trying. You know, <laughs> they brought up an issue. They did a very bad job with it, but they did try to bring up an issue. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I guess it's a three. Milana tells Chakotay that she doesn't know why she's not feeling anything. Mm -hmm. He tells her she's not letting herself feel. And then she tells him she's lost so many families, she's cutting herself off from Voyager. But where does that insight come from? She just didn't know why she wasn't feeling anything <laughs> yes. until he says, well, you know. It's because you aren't letting yourself feel. And then she's like, oh, that's probably it. And here's why. She started feeling it and figured it out immediately. All right. Well, now that I've started feeling it and I let myself feel it, now I know why. So that's not amazing. The worst part of this episode is Tom Paris trying to put cool fins on the Delta Flyer <laughs> that he even admits are just for show. And, and of course, being way more caught up in the ship than in his girlfriend's self-destructive behavior. And also, by the way, now Harry Kim is getting too sassy. Like, he got a taste for it. Yeah. And now he sasses Tom Paris in every briefing, and even though it's getting 
like increasingly less and less play of a response from people. Yes, also realistic in a bad way. He got he had the one joke that works, and now he's that's all he's gonna do all the time. They yeah. they love it when I cap on Tom. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I had it higher, but I think you're right. I think it's a three. I only have a few quick hitters and uh and uh, Ben only has a couple like he says he's never eaten a banana pancake in his life. Not surprised. Did they say the word depression in the whole episode? Yes, Chicote tells Bolana that he that Janeway believes she's clinically depressed. Okay. He said it seems like they had a hard time uh finding the word for it. Also, he wondered if she had to roll around on the shuttle floor patching up those holes because she had to stay in frame. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I only have a few. Um, am I right, Matt, that we had an action figure of Kirk in this jumpsuit from the deleted generation scene? Oh, my God. I didn't remember it until you just said it, but now I remember that that, that little action figure. One of the little ones, yeah. not one of the big Cisco ones. That, like, we had. No, 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 no. One of the... Yeah. G.I. Joe-sized ones. God, I do remember that. I uh, I watched that deleted scene. I would have cut it, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, the VFX weren't all finished for it and everything, but still. It was like in- intercutting between that bottle floating towards the Enterprise B and him f- coming down an old-ass Chekhov and Scotty are standing in a field going, is that him? Uh-huh. No, that's not him. And then at the end, he, he's like... Anyway, tomorrow I'm going to do three orbits before I come down. And they're like, man, tomorrow we got to go do the thing on the Enterprise B. And he says, I'm not going. And then they cut to the christening and he's there. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I would have cut that scene. That's nothing. I have never viewed that. That's interesting. Yeah, you can see it on YouTube. Uh, I would not get in a shuttle Tom Paris designed. (laughs) No shit. I'm sure sure it goes fast. And I'm also sure that he did not put a toilet in. Like, you know he didn't think it through. You can't let him design it. Then later I was like, oh, no, they're designing it by committee. Now I definitely don't want to be in the Delta Flyer. That's right. It's the scene from Schisms where they're like, no, it had this kind of hook. But instead of that, they're designing an actual ship that they're going to get in and take into a gas giant. If the show was more self-aware, at the end it would have panned out and it would have been that table from Schisms. (laughs) Uh, Janeway now just threatens people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she goes to Neelix and then leaves without saying anything. And I wrote, ah, cool. For a minute, I thought someone was going to talk about their problems. Right. And I get it. She couldn't bring herself to do it. We were close. The whole thing was a wasted exercise. You know, but like, I was super excited for a minute that she might be going to recognize that she had an issue and go to talk to Neelix about it. And that would have been good because Neelix has had issues like this in the past. Do you remember the episode where he knew what he had to do? I do remember the episode where he knew what he had to do. This would have been a good person to talk to about it. He's got crazy guilt about his wild life. Yeah. Well, Deep Space Nine style, no one talks to anyone who has relevant experience about their issues. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, to sum it up, I don't know why Voyager felt like they were capable of tackling this subject. Yeah. Yes. I gave best actor to the new garbage man. Worst actor is unfortunately back to Harry Kemp. Too sassy. That's right, he he fucked it. He went too far. He went too far. Garrett, you can't. You're not good enough for that. You should stay wherever you were a couple weeks ago. The new Harry Kim was better. Yeah. Um, All right, just a couple. 
Seven says the other guys are going to be done with their shuttle in 36 hours. Much later in the episode, the alien captain says he'll be done with his shuttle in two days. Janeway thinks he's probably bluffing and that it'll take longer. Or does she think he'll be he's bluffing and it'll take much less time? It's a fair question and I don't understand. I, I don't understand what they think his motivation <laughs> is and I don't understand his motivation for telling them. And I don't understand. Yeah, and I don't understand if Seven thinks it'll be done in 36 hours like and then a long time passed in the episode before the guy said that it was going to be 2 days. I would have been like, "No, nah, I think he's going to he's probably finished now." Anyway, um still wish I could get the backstory on why Tuvok and Vorik don't fuck with each other even a little bit. Vorik is briefly in this episode and he gets kicked out of the shuttle and then I had to have a conversation with Marjan about Vorik because she was watching this one. <laughs> and we once again, we're, we came face to face with the problem. Why do we never see he and Tuvok playing Kalto? Um, Why? He doesn't like Tuvok because Tuvok's black. I think that's it. <laughs> that's I'm the only thing I could come up with as well was that man, they're both Vulcan. But there's one difference. They just do not fuck with each other at all. The only interaction they ever had was when Tuvok kept insisting that they have to fight to the death. When he had the um when he had the Ponfar, when he kept insisting that was the only way to survive. The only way to, to do the thing was to go down and fight to the death. That's the only time they've interacted. Uh that's it yeah. for me. One more? First place last week was The Next Generation. Okay. This week we watched The Host. (laughs) Beverly Crusher kicks this one off with a personal log that is long on details about Wesley's studies and short on details about her new relationship, Mm -hmm. but we immediately catch her sucking face with Ambassador Odon. It's like she knew that we were going to cut straight from her log into that scene. Isn't it? It's extremely like she knew that someone was going to say, ooh, tell me. Oh, never mind. (laughs) No one would ever write the log the way she said it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Also, there's a new man in my life. Smooch, smooch, smooch. (laughs) Wait, hang on a second. (laughs) Were you just, were you doing that log? Hey, is this log foreplay? Oh. Were you giving that log in front of Odan? Or Odon? We'll talk about it. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's a real Han hand situation for sure. Um... Data shows up and he's a real third wheel and Odon sneaks off to his quarters um, and he's got real bad bulges in his gut. Mm. He lasers it up in a sexual way and then we go to credits. You got the feeling that was probably sexual. I, Is that his laser dildo? Like he, made, he made faces and stuff. That's all I'm going to say about it. Laser dildo. So I'll write it down if you want. <sighs> well... Later, Beverly shows up again, and after some off-screen sex, they talk about their 10-day relationship, the way you do, (laughs) and then she has to pull herself away to go placate an android. Mm -hmm. Anyway, here's the deal this week. The Enterprise is working with the Federation ambassador from Peliarzel because the two moons are fighting, Mm -hmm. and Odon's daddy helped them make peace long ago. That's right. 
One moon has figured out how to use the planet's magnetic field for energy, but it's fucking up the other moon, which passes through the harmful rays, and it is going to be war. None, none of this matters. That's what's happening in this episode. Don't worry. It don't matter. Yeah, this is not like, um, remember when Reva had to deal with that shit? I think we got a lot more about those guys and their shit. We did. Yeah. And there was a lot more about the actual peace process in that episode, too. Yes. Uh, Odon has a transporter phobia. So he's going to be shuttling down. And Troy feels some weird shit about, you know, him. But maybe it's because he's a trill. Sure. A mysterious race they barely know. We still know so little about them. Smash cut to Beverly's feet. She's uh, she's down at the barber shop, which I guess is a salon. Yes. Troy comes in. Um, Beverly has a hand in some gack and a mask on her face. <laughs> yep. Troy gets all in her business about Odon because she saw some looks at the conference. Even though they came in through different doors, she's like, I know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, she tries to warn Crusher that Odon is keeping secrets, but uh, the doctor ain't having it. Yeah. Uh, Odon, on the other hand, is much more upfront with Picard about his horniness for Dr. Beverly. In a way that is, I mean, it's obviously how an ambassador would talk to a guy he just met who's in command uh-huh. of the starship. It's just locker room talk between two dudes. Yep. Uh, he is hoping that Beverly is ready to leave the Starfleet game behind and come with him. So he's fucking all in. It's been a good 10 days, man. Yeah. Odon and Riker's shuttle is, of course, shot up. And has to be tractored in. Odon still refuses to be beamed aboard. Says it'll kill him. But, in sick bay. Wait, wait, by the way, why is there never a scene where Riker is screaming at the top of his lungs that he told him so? This is why oh. we use the transporter! This is why we use the transporter! Uh, well, Riker's gonna disappear for a while, and when you come back later, you don't want him to be thinking about that. So, uh, in sick bay. Odon is going into shock, and there's a whole bunch of weird readings that indicate that he has a parasite, but Odon tells Beverly that he is the parasite. Oh, shit. He tells her that the trail are a joint species, a host and a symbiont, and tells her to call up real quick and ask for a new host to come. Beverly tells everyone in a conference that Odon's host body died, that the symbiont can survive perhaps an hour or two, but the next host is over 40 hours away. Everyone then immediately agrees that they need him for this conference <laughs> as if they would have just let him die otherwise. Yeah, if we didn't need you for this conference, we'd just let you expire on the table. But, like, they really do have a discussion about, well, we can't let Odon die. We need him for the conference. Be- <laughs> Beverly thinks a human could carry the symbiont, and Riker fucking immediately volunteers. I have, I have nothing He doesn't have to go about. talk to Picard on the phaser range about it or anything. No. This is some season one Riker shit. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's from season two, actually. He's got the beard, I think. Uh, Crusher guts him like a fish and sticks a jeweled worm in this slit. She doesn't even connect it up to anything. No. She just sticks it in there and then closes the pouch. No, no, no. She stuck it in there, whispered to it, you know what you have to do, and then, <laughs> then sealed it in. Yep. Well, it worked because Riker immediately addresses her as Dr. Beverly Ugh. in a line that everyone hates. Ugh. 
Then he calls up the governor of, pa- of Paleorzell and tells her it's her job to explain this to the warring factions. That's right. This is going to be her problem. And then he has to go lay down. He's not doing great post-joining, and he's also frustrated by Beverly's reluctance to talk about their relationship. Mm-hmm. He, by the way, he doesn't know why. He's wearing Odan's clothes and everything. It's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. He's sleeping in Odan's bedroom. Like, What's the difference? Uh, Beverly feels lied to. Troy corners her in 10 forward, and the, she gives a surprisingly rehearsed speech about this kid she had a crush on, and what was it she loved about Odon, mm. and is all of that inside Will Riker now? Yeah. And she says it was such disgust that it's like she forgot Troy used to bang him on the regular. Yeah, and probably, like, occasionally goes through periods where she still does, yes. uh, everyone think back to their date in Menage a Troy. Exactly right. Uh... Troy, I guess, really misses her dad <laughs> and thinks that Beverly should go to decade and get to beefing. Like her and her dad, you know. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Uh, Riker meets the emissaries from the two moons, convinces them that he's Odan because he knows, you know, some secret knowledge. Um, one guy actually was just like, fine, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But the other guy needed convincing. But he's failing fast. I mean, you know how it is, though. You get a shot of cortisol in him, and he's horny for redheads. <laughs> um, Beverly rebuffs him again. He goes to talk to Picard about the negotiations. Beverly looks at a rose that the old Odon gave her and goes to Wrecker's quarters under a thin pretense about his vital signs. And um, Yeah. Well, they do it. <laughs> they do the deed, for sure. Um... Once they've had sex, though, Odan refuses any further medication because he knows it's hurting Riker's body. He makes Beverly promise to remove him at the end of the day, whether or not the new host has arrived. Then he goes and negotiates for eight hours or whatever, and a real sick-looking Riker stumbles out of the observation lounge. There will be no war. But the new Trill host is still nine hours out, so as soon as they can get these guys off the ship, Picard books it for the other ship at warp nine. Beverly takes out the slug. Riker's going to be just fine. He's done with this episode. No one knows if Odon will make it. Beverly falls asleep waiting. Worf wakes her up when they finally get to the new host. Gives a good little pause when Beverly says, bring him in, because for sure it is a woman. He's not helpful in that scene, but he definitely notices. He does. He for sure caught it and decided not to say anything. Uh Like, she's going to see it in 10 seconds. Why should I have to say it? That's right. This isn't on me. I'm surprised you didn't have the governor of that fucking planet do it. (laughs) You should have had her do it. Yeah. Well, they left there at warp nine. That's right. Should have called her and said, look, this is your job. You have to break it to my doctor. Uh, the woman's name is Kareel. Sorry. The implantation goes smoothly, and then Kareel Odon comes to talk to Beverly, who is, once again, ice cold. Oh, yeah. She tells Odon she can't keep up with this body-swapping horse shit, and she's sorry. Maybe someday humans will be better, but she tells her that she does love her. End of episode. Mm. It's this one about Matt. Ben says, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Um... He says, it turns out that a trill in any host is, is, isn't, she, okay. 
He says, why wouldn't Trill and any host body be just the same? Turns out not so much. Love cannot transcend everything and cannot accept all things. Another mad at their ex-wives special from the writers. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the setup is really pretty cool, but the resolution and takeaway kind of sucks. But he gave it a six on the take. I found this to be not one of their best efforts. I have, <laughs> I have, love is something beyond the physical. Then I wrote, so what? And then I wrote, also, no gays allowed. <laughs> yeah, the episode you, is uh, actually not as hard line on that as I thought it was. So, Well, as you point out in the end, she is ice cold on this lady. And to me, she yeah. did look at her in a way that was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'll fuck Will Riker. She fucked Riker for nothing. But I am definitely not fucking a lady. And yeah. she's angry at, well, we will definitely get into it in a minute. Um, what about you? What did you have for the take on this one? Oh, sorry. I gave it a three. Uh, yeah, I don't man. Know if I said it was a three. I don't know. Like, I maybe the maybe the take here is that we should love people for what's on the inside and not the outside. Uh-huh. Um, but that's harder than it sounds. Okay. Like, the, there are so many reasons that she would have an aversion to this relationship with Riker when he's Odon, not least of which is that she's now serving as his doctor. Well, do they even bring that up? I don't even remember. So it's like, there's lots of reasons for it. I don't see why this has to be a moral failing of Beverly's that she, that she can't like follow the bouncing ball on this one. Mm. But no matter what, this is just kind of a rumination on what it means to love someone and not a take. Okay. So it's just a three from me too. Okay. Uh, what about the execution? Well, the high melodrama starts with the music under Beverly's personal log and it doesn't let up for 45 minutes <laughs> no yeah it's it, it um, broke the switch off on the on that shit they had a lot of trouble hiding beverly's uh had it hiding gates mcfadden's late-term pregnancy in this episode mm-hmm. but when i watched it uh, it did come off as an episode that could have been better with better cinematography okay like there's a lot of weird shots in it that are distracting the space future also seems to be full of these conflicts that only one mediator can solve. Yes. Uh, Jameson in Too Short a Season, Sarek in Sarek, Reva, Reva in Whisper, Whisper. Yeah. now Odon. Where, what I want to know is, where does this early 90s idea come from? Who were the famous mediators <laughs> yeah. that in the 80s that made these guys say, you know how it is. You ha- only the one particular guy can solve this problem. It's a very, very good question. I can't think of any famous mediators who didn't have other important jobs. Right. Like leader of a nation or something. Like, you'd be like, uh, they're sending, they're sending uh, Jimmy Carter to the Middle East again. They're sending ex-president Carter to the Middle East to just try and sort some shit out there again. And, mm-hmm. and you, But then it's like, it doesn't work. Yeah, I was going to say, he never fixed it or anything, so... And so it's like, what I want to know is where... How did this idea get into the writers' minds? Because they yeah. keep going back to it. It's true. That is actually, in a, in a way, it's kind of interesting world-building to think that that is a thing that is prevalent in the 24th century. That- Everyone just fucking goes along with it. Yep. Um, It's like, it is as if... It's as if all of these alien species or all of these planets can have a personal relationship with one member of another species. And that's the only one they trust. I, uh, yeah, anyway, baffling. 
I think it's really strange and not good that they totally bypass the question of what is up with Riker's consciousness while he's got Odan in him. It's true. No one talks about it. They don't talk about it at all. Picard says one thing about Odon sounding like Riker, and Odon gives him a fucking dirty look and changes the subject. I also noticed that. <laughs> and it's like, it seems like everyone should be asking about it the whole time. So are you still Will Riker? Yeah. How much of Riker is in there, in this joining? How much is is the host? At, like, what did you lose when you lost the original body? What do you have new now? Nothing. So fucking, they don't say dick about it. They don't ask any questions. Oh, dude. Like you said, they want, Ultimately, they want the melodrama. Exactly. But it makes this the slow, quiet episode of TNG that I don't like. Yeah. And I gave it a three. Yeah, I I mean, shit. I have to agree. I mean, first, did we say Ben gave it a five? Uh, uh, ben did give it a five. Open on Dr. Ginger Frenching that alien. Um, uh, the no transporter rule is a weird one because the script works perfectly without it. Also, it's totally ignored in Deep Space Nine. None of the, none of the stuff that is different between yeah. here and Deep Space Nine is this episode's fault, That's but... Right. It is wild. Uh, Riker volunteering feels very old school, as you said. Um, anyway, he was unimpressed with a lot of the acting in the episode as well. So uh, it was a five for him. I was with you on a three. Uh, just starting off the top, they avoid having to do a dumb time jump because these guys are so in love. They just straight up say 10 days have passed. It was. It just was 10 days. Yeah. It's been 10 days and we're very much in love. But that means she jumped right into bed with this dude, which is her business. But then it also seems like maybe we're supposed to be scandalized. Like, sure, they talk about how she's a mom, right? She starts off with that. And this is her, whatever, 1990 or 91 or whatever year this is supposed to be. And uh, Troy is giving her a lot of business about what she's up to and she's only done it for 10 days with this guy and now the guy wants her to leave her job and all this stuff and i'm wondering if we were supposed to be having a reaction when we were watching this in 1991 yeah like, i looked it up first aired may 13th 1991 yeah like are we supposed to think she's a real irresponsible lady or something or i don't know i was confused about the whole setup with this relationship yeah there's a lot of talk uh where she's like i was sure i loved him Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, it does seem like there is some aspect of this that's like, she's moving too fast. You don't know this guy. Yeah. He could have a slug in him. You never know. You never know out here in space. He could have a slug in him. Are we supposed to hate Odin? Odon? I don't know why. And is it because we're supposed to side with Beverly at the end when she hates his gender bending? Because he acts like kind of an asshole a lot of the time. And he's like an egomaniacal asshole about this whole negotiation thing. Uki is. First of all, he fucking spreads their business all over the ship. Yeah, he's, t- he's fucking big-dogging Picard. She must have yeah. said something about how she and Picard went way back, and he's like, fuck that. So I didn't know if we were supposed to hate him so that later on when she rejects him, we're like, all right, good, you need to be with that guy. Um, They were pretty proud of this pulsating worm special effect like they showed it 500 times oh yeah even though it's got like weird little jewels on anyway <laughs> they, they kept it's showing an odd it's an odd little prop they, honestly they kept showing his belly like fucking inflating and shit they were like this is the best special effect anyone's ever seen and then i have to say beverly sucks in a real 1990s way 
Okay, she'll fuck Will Riker, but when this lady walks in, she's like, fine doing that. <laughs> Is that a lady? <laughs> and she's mad about it, and she's mad at Odin she, for not telling her that... She says stuff to him, like, to uh, to the new host, like, how long will you be in this host? Yeah. What will the next one yeah, be? Yeah, like, it's his fault. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, he planned to get shot up in a fucking shuttle. Yeah. And also, like, he planned to be a species that is a, a species that has a joined worm. Uh-huh. So, it's very easy to say it is not somebody who's transgender's fault, right? In real life, if you right. if you are of a certain point of view, which I am, that it is not their fault that they feel this way. But she is mad at this lady. That is true. For something that she says is a weird lie. That yeah, I, she should have told her, and she should wear a fucking pink triangle next time, or whatever's happening. I, I honestly don't think that, uh, I mean, again, it aired in 1991. Mm-hmm. I genuinely don't think that anyone thought about transgender issues not. at all yes. at any point in the writing or filming of this episode. And they were it. not attempting to make a point about that. But it must suck a fat dick if you're trans yes. and you watch this. So even if they'd made it 20 years later... You wouldn't have to change anything, right? Oh, yeah. No one was, in 2011 even, like, people still would have been like, I don't know, whatever. So that's not necessary. But that, that, that does, sure does not mean when you watch this yes. that you don't go, oh, that sucks. Like, if she can fuck Will Riker, which made me say out loud, I guess they haven't read the Bible. <laughs> if she can do that, but when this lady walks in, she's uh, indignant. Again, especially without asking... So how much yes. are you still Will Riker? Yes. How much are you going to remember when you're not the worm anymore? <laughs> are you going to like? Are you going to be thinking about this later? Are you going to think about my orange bush? Like what's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you going to be thinking about like what I smell like? Yeah. Taste like whatever. Like it's clear he's not going to be the worm forever. He's not going to have it. Am I going to walk, am I going to like be treating you in sickbay and you're going to smell my shampoo or whatever and be like, mm. which takes, and me, I'm going to have to think about it, which takes me to my most important point. Why was it an emergency that she have sex with Riker? Why did it have to happen right away? If only if they thought the worm was definitely going to die. But if the plan is to make the worm live, why could yeah, he put off held the off. sex until it got into its permanent host? I would have held off for sure, yeah. Especially because he's in the middle of a busy negotiation that's draining his energy. (laughs) I don't understand why she has to go there and do him that minute. Why she can't let him complete his business, hopefully get into a new host body and do it. Is it because they're sure he's going to die? And he's like, because this is not well written, he's got to say to her, if you're going to leave, you got to leave now. (laughs) And then she's like, I'm not leaving. And then the nastiness. And then I'm sure off screen, they don't even show her feet again, thankfully. But like, yeah, dude, it gets raw in there. And my childhood's ruined every time I see it. I mean, you just because this was my family, you know, the humidity goes up in that coin those oh, quarters yeah. after that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, that was my family growing up, man. And that was incest to me. And every time <laughs> I see that episode, I am horrified by it. It's true. They, sh- I mean, for one thing. We all know that Picard is Riker's surrogate dad mm-hmm. and that this is Oedipus. We're, yes. do, we're just doing Oedipus now. It's not cool. It's not cool. Nothing about it is cool. So a three for me, 
But I could see lower. If you'd given it a two, I'd probably give it a two. <laughs> you just think, look, it so the thing bad. is, it's still an episode of TNG. It's oh, like Vo- Voyager would have done. Oh, boy. I would not want... I don't want to see that. I mean, do, how did Cass respond to Tuvix? Oh, she didn't? Better than this, right? I mean... <laughs> now that I think about it, maybe Voyager did it better. Is Tuvix the version of this? I guess she did have to deal with that identity thing. Yeah, she actually... She had dinner with Tuvix or whatever, and he's like, so do you want to get back together? And she's like, fucking maybe. <laughs> You're pretty cool. Shit, I'm man. think about I, it. Hey, I heard one of the dudes say you play the saxophone. Is that true? <laughs> you can do that now? I'm really confused by this, but I'm kind of into it. So, like... Assuming you're not going anywhere, like if you don't get executed, sure. I mean, <laughs> as long as you're not put to death, I'm kind of actually now I'm thinking about why not? it. Not, yeah. So yeah, she was a lot more open-minded about it, I guess. Anyway, yeah, I just the end for me. It's a bad episode that ends badly. I just I I had a bad taste in my mouth after this. So yeah, yeah. just the three for me. Uh, world building. Oh, what about world building? Ben gave it a four. Um. He forgot there was a nail salon on board. Yeah, I think it's just the usual barber shop with the the bit in the back is for your nails or whatever. Um, um, Ambassador Odon has a communicator badge. Uh, I want to talk about that in, in a minute, but yeah. And obviously the bully and hairdresser. I don't know if we've seen him yet. Have we? Have we seen he, Mott? He's not. He's not Mott the barber. Oh, it's yet. just another guy. If you remember, we did so we did see a Bolian who was played by an Indian actor. Okay, yep. Who ha- he had an Indian accent, Indian accent in English, right? I so. do remember that, and I was mad because when they we finally, see Mott, it's not that guy. That's mad because they finally hired an Indian guy and they made him a blue alien. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah. So that was Ben gave it a four. Uh, I was a little bit less. So the first incarnation of the trill here, like you said. Everything that happens in DS9 is DS9's fault. Yeah. Uh, they don't like transporters. I guess it's bad for the worm. Picard claims they know very little about the Trill. Again, DS9 will crap all over that timeline because Ben Sisko goes way back with these dudes and shit. Uh-huh. Uh, to outsiders, they pass it off like father and son and shit like that. Like when they change a body. Yeah, it's they well, won't understand. I guess we'll talk about it in characterization. Like no one will understand. No, it's not. You know what? It's not characterization because Odin's not coming back. Let's talk about it here. <laughs> Odin's a big liar. Yes, he is. So here's what I want to say about this. Okay. When Merrily says, "You didn't think this was worth mentioning to me," mm-hmm. he says, "It's the way I am. You didn't think to tell me that you're a single species." Yeah, However, yeah. This guy pretends to be his own son so that he doesn't have to explain this to people. So he knows it needs explaining. Yes, for sure. Yes. Right? Yes. So that was some horse shit that he did with her. Oh, he sucks. I mean, this is what I'm saying. I spent the whole time going, oh, I don't even think we're supposed to like him. I think he sucks. Um. So, yeah, he pretends, yeah, there's some father-son nonsense that they lie about. Uh, that worm was stored in a hot wet tub after she takes it out <clears throat> listen they know nothing about these guys that was her best thought she talks about how it's doing well in there and it made me wonder why they couldn't just put it in the hot wet tub if not for the conference you know yeah, well they need odin uh otherwise right into space with the rest of the trash right in the beginning this argument between alpha and beta is framed as a squabble between two children a v- yes. A very sensitive handling of the situation. <laughs> yes. 
But the way this lady talks when she describes their conflict, it does sound like she's describing America in 2020 once again. More yeah. factionalized than ever, the skill of listening seems to have evaporated, etc. Yeah, except who's she? Yes. Who are these people on the planet? What's their position? Do they care that the alpha moon is using their fucking magnetic field to basically irradiate the beta moon, but they're like fucking free energy for us? <laughs> That's right. Does it have any effect on her planet? Why does she not take this seriously? Yeah. Uh, like I said, the barber shop's also a beauty parlor. What is the green hand goo? What's supposed to happen? She doesn't know. But like she showed up and they did that to her. It's just I'm wondering in universe what the explanation is. Like what she puts her hand in the goo, then what? Oh, it's to clone her hand. <laughs> oh, it does. It is similar. Thanks, Mott or Mott's buddies. We'll see that in. Aquiel? That's an Aquiel sitch, for sure. Uh, they don't seem to know who attacked the shuttle. Somehow. I don't know how they don't know. It seems like it came from Beta Moon, but I'm sure those guys are screaming false flags. That's right. Nobody programmed in a cold version of Lemon Tea, or any version of Balso Tonic. But, why did the computer say back to Odon, your balls, so tonic? <laughs> rude just a two for me i didn't really i didn't vibe with it i didn't get it it's a two for me too um here's my main question this week is are the trill a part of the federation mm, good question it seems like peli arzell is yeah the woman who is the governor we are first introduced as the federation ambassador from peli arzell Really makes it seem like they're in the Federation. Yep. I mean, Did the Federation bring in an outsider to deal with this because of his daddy? Or are the Trill in the... The, the Trill can't possibly be in the Federation and no one knows about this, yeah, right? Yeah, I would definitely think that these guys are so unknown that they probably are not members, for sure. Okay. Uh, that also, I'm sure, will be right. Well, you know what? I, now I legitimately don't know. In Deep Space Nine, are they in the Federation? Fuck. I mean, they're in Starfleet. We see, like... I think we see other ones, too. Ah, fuck. I mean, so far we've seen Dax in Starfleet as a trail, and then I think there have been all extras. the other ones have not been in Starfleet. Like um, oh. in the dumb movies, there's a trail pilot or something, and mm. uh, fuck, I think I saw another one too that had a bunch of them spots. But you know, Worf's a Klingon, and they either are or aren't in the Federation, depending on what season of Star Trek it is. So <laughs> remember in this show. They seem to have been implied to have been part of the Federation, the Klingons. This is before the Klingons yes. joined the Federation. Yeah, it is. It is true. It's, it is less than clear yeah. what status they have within the... what. How, how much... Well, it doesn't matter. The treaty in Deep Space Nine no longer exists where we are, so... Yeah. It's a, a big two for me. Okay. Uh, characterization, then. Ben's a five... Uh, I think he liked Troy noticing the stuff at the conference table. I would have liked it better if it, if she wasn't empathic. <laughs> yep. She's just um, doing what Devonani Rawls always accusing her of. He liked seeing Odin question Picard about Beverly, liked watching Picard squirm. Um, yeah. I'm... So, I mean, big props on the Enterprise 
to, to everyone for not being jealous. Troy doesn't care if Bill sweeps Beverly off her feet. Mm-hmm. Picard doesn't care either. Yep. Riker loves to volunteer for things in front of Picard. <laughs> yep. Experimental personality subsuming surgeries, Klingon transformations, and so on. Riker demands that they put that worm in him right now. I think he starts Beverly to take. For sure. think, hold on, I'm sorry, I, I keep interrupting. Yeah, you. go ahead. I think he starts to take off his shirt at the table. Actually, yeah. <laughs> he starts to pull his shirt out and be like, "Do it right now! Put the worm in me right Put it now! In me. I'm Put ready, it in Doc. Me now. He is. I gotta know what this is like. He's fucking eager to get that fucking slug in him. Oh uh, well, and if he knew that that slug sometimes had male hosts and sometimes female hosts, you know he'd be twice as cranked. I mean, honestly, if he knew it meant he was gonna get some of that hot orange bush, then he probably would have been pretty cranked about it. Yeah, you know she's been kind of off limits for him. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly does take things a little personal this week. Yeah. That ain't that ain't the best. That's why characterization's not scoring huge points. But I actually didn't think characterization was the problem this week. I gave it a five. Okay. Uh Wesley sucks at college level history classes. Uh Bev- And po- and political political science? Maybe. What was his issue? the big philosophies or something? He did I don't know. He did good at the math or whatever. But wasn't so good at the humanities. Beverly's having a steamy affair with an ambassador, and because it is the Enterprise, everyone is totally fine with that. <laughs> yes, okay. there are no limits. Okay. Nothing is forbidden on the Enterprise. Fucking shows up to solve a, a crisis, and she's just in bed with him. Um, she's only known him ten days. He's always nagging her. Uh, Star Trek man. She gets very mad. The guy turns out to be insert perceived sexual deviance here uh she's indignant about it ask the guy to wear a pink triangle whatever then she basically uh not then but earlier she basically asked troy for permission to fuck her brother will Riker. yeah she's like he's like a brother to me but i can still like if i want but he's not my brother he's he's like he's my stepbrother (laughs) yeah that's right he's a lot more like a stepbrother if you think about it but you know he's not my brother that's the whole thing. That's what's hot about it. <laughs> right. Oh, and I didn't like that she claims that she's not into this lady and that it's a human failing. Blaming all humans. That's right. For, We're all responsible for her. For her fucking hangups. <clears throat> uh, Troy, of all people, is judgy as hell when Crusher's late for that meeting. And then again at the salon slash beauty parlor. And she's like, how well do you even know him? <clears throat> hey, bitch. Remember Devin Honey Rawl? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? No one needs to hear it's this from you. Sure. That dude told you to put on a sexy dress, yeah, and show showed up at your office, and you were in the dress. That dude showed up to negotiate for a wormhole, uh, something that the Federation was party to. It was it was involved in that whole affair, and he came into your office and touched your hair, and you did all of the nastiest sex with him that day. Yeah, you let him oil you up entirely. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, same day, and then you expected me to be excited on your behalf about right. it. By the way, that's right. By the and way, and I was very supportive. Yoga, I was very supportive. And that's why we don't do yoga anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was very supportive, even though I thought it was gross. I was supportive. I talked about how guys make your toes curl, and everyone at home said, "Ew." <laughs> that was that episode, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Troy compares romantic love to the love she had for her daddy before he died. I don't even know. Explicitly. I don't even know what to make of that. 
Okay, so here's where I had the Riker volunteering thing. Riker saw Data volunteer to carry the worm, and he could not be outdone. (laughs) So he insisted he be allowed to carry the worm. Remember, Data volunteers first. He's like, maybe I can carry the worm. And they look at him like, what are you, stupid? What's he going to do, touch all your circuits? Do you think he felt bad because he had previously volunteered to do the shuttle pilot mission because it was dangerous? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, but I'm the best pilot on the- everyone knows you want me. And then and then it like he just got shot up immediately and had to go right back to base. <laughs> yes. That's how last week I thought Kira had volunteered to take the baby because she was guilty about hitting that asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing, maybe. But I swear to God, he saw Data volunteer and he went, fuck this guy. Who does he think he I'm the volunteer around here. Picard is the only adult on the show. He doesn't act like a petulant shit about Crusher fucking this other guy. He just tries to be a good friend. Yeah. I give it a four. Uh, do you have some quick ones? Yeah. Uh, bad start. Beverly's personal log. That's not, that's not what I want to hear when the episode starts. Yeah. And what is the triumphant music underneath, as you mentioned? It's wild. It's like, oh shit. It's like the best day of her life. Uh, this guy just pawns Data off on Beverly. Cool fucking boyfriend. For sure he sucks. Like, you, you're going to have to take care of this. He's like, you got this, right? Fucking guy. You know this guy. Uh, why is Odon saying that shit to Picard in their private meeting about Beverly? Like, <laughs> is he big-dogging him? I can only assume he's big-dogging him, because otherwise, why would you bring it up with this stranger? Um... I should have got a screenshot of Ogawa's face when Riker flirts with Crusher from his bed in sickbay. Because I just <laughs> said to the screen, same. <laughs> she looked horrified. Uh, she's also upset that no one mentioned her new haircut. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I kept hearing pan flute in this episode. Uh-huh. I thought I was watching the fucking Sentinel. <laughs> there was so much pan flute. You know, every time he one of his senses activated, pan flute music was starting in the back. Yeah, well, it's because of where he got his senses from the Jaguar people. Uh, Riker, for some reason, when he takes on the worm, has to wear Odan's clothes. I bet those had to get let out a little bit, though. <laughs> Odan looked pretty thin. I don't know, man. Are you sure that uh, we know Riker's a blue pajama guy? Are we sure that he didn't just go down there and pick out some similar clothes? Or Odan was like, oh, I like the look of this. Oh, this looks like my style. All right, this Riker guy's not so bad. Like the... The, the, let's be generous and call it long cardigan that he's wearing in that 10 forward scene does look like it's the robe that matches his normal blue pajamas. That's all I'm going to say. I guess that's true. Yeah. He got into his closet. He's like shit pilot, but great fashion sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, Picard is standing right over the ambassador who is sick as hell. And rather than ask him to talk there, he's like, come see me in my ready room. <laughs> Hey, be a pal, man. Just talk to him there. Yeah. It's not in good shape. Uh, come to my office. I got something super Don't. Uh, I'll put plastic on the couch. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't blame Picard for getting sent- sentimental about Riker when Odan gives that dumb, I've cracked the case Riker smile. Yeah. I also was like, that is exactly <laughs> the dumb smile Riker always makes. Oh, holy shit are you about to say something obvious because i know that <laughs> I, look. I know i know it's a probe if you're gonna say it's I know a that probe, look of pride i feel like you're about to say it's a probe i know it's a probe that you don't have to say it uh 
and then uh, I've already said it really does feel like incest when Crusher and Riker kiss in that scene. Uh, worst actor for me, Crusher turning around to see a jacked, oily host with a big fucking hog, but whoops, it's a lady. Yep. <laughs> the way she, like, adjusts her expression I thought was terrible. <laughs> it was a co- almost comic. She was hoping to be packing, huh? It was like a womp womp. Uh, yeah, that's that's my quick ones. Um, yeah, I have a few. Uh, wait, did Ben have any? Nope. He did not. Uh, hey man, this guy must have eaten the signature fish and chips from Tybodia. They make my gut do that too. <laughs> Just pulsate? Yeah. I don't have one of those sex lasers though. <laughs> you don't have a laser dildo? I do not. I don't know if you can get that on extremerestraints.com or where, but yeah. Good, it's a uh, good, it, good oh, name drop. Good product name drop. <laughs> oh, yeah. They used to sponsor My Brother, My Brother and Me oh. for like a, oh, the first 200 episodes. So that's what I think of as a, a place where you could buy sex things. Oh, damn. We should get them to be our sponsor then. We could just, yeah, we could just tell them um, we're still My Brother, My Brother and Me. They won't, they won't not check. <laughs> There's only two of us now. Uh, is, it, is it Odan or Odon? People say both. But I kind of got the feeling that the only people who said Odon were Odon himself, Beverly, and Troy. And it's like, maybe the other they were the only ones who bothered to learn his name. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I called them both. Everyone else is just like, ah, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, hey, in the salon, Beverly is wearing an outfit with the exact same pattern as the barber. God, that's true. Did she show up there, get nude, and say, fuck it all up. I got a man now. <laughs> that's right. We're just starting over. See all of this? This needs to be different <laughs> for a man. Fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Make it look right. Um, uh, actually, probably, I'm sure they put her in that outfit so they could do something to hide her pregnancy. Or, I don't know. Whatever. Right. Yeah. What crawled up Ensign Taggart's ass and died? Did he not want that shuttle mission? He calls up so angry. <laughs> yeah. He's in a bad mood about it. Is this where they lay the groundwork that Riker's a pilot? Um, Have we seen it before? No, I'm not sure. I I know that he can dock the saucer section. We all know that. Yeah, I think we've made lots of jokes about how Commander Riker's the man you want for this job. But I'm not sure we've actually seen him do a lot of piloting so far. I hate that the writers had to give Troy daddy issues. Yeah. On top of everything else they've done to that poor woman. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's not a real person, but I do feel aggrieved on Counselor Troy's behalf. Yeah. <sighs> like, I know that Beverly starts that conversation by talking about how she had a crush on this guy when she was eight. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what puts Troy in mind of how the first man she loved was her dad. But it's like, she understands that the context of that story was, am I wrong about having been in love with this adult man that I've been sleeping with? Yeah. So. It's like she didn't have anything to relate. Maybe at that point, divert from the story you were gonna tell. Yeah, it's like she doesn't have anything to relate to, which we know isn't true. A Devanani Rawl. But, right. um, but you're right. It's like she thinks she has to say something, and that is what she says. 
Uh, honestly, Riker's Odon outfit looks like his pajamas, and I bet he wears them to 10 forward sometimes, too. <laughs> yeah, that, well, we know that uh, that guy Lavelle is wrong when he says he sleeps in his uniform, because we always see <laughs> That is true. Cool, That's 100% not true. His cool satin pajamas. <laughs> wrong about the nation of his origin, yes. and wrong about that. Canadian, sir, Canadian. Uh, did these dudes agree to a peace deal because they could tell Riker was about to die at the table and they were like, bro, calm down. We can work this out. <laughs> Don't die in front of us. Bro, it ain't that big a deal. We'll figure oh, it shit, out. Man. We can figure it out. It's okay. We're moon buddies. Look at us. We're moon buddies over here. What are you worried about? I gave best actor to Worf deciding not to say anything when <laughs> Beverly says him. Yeah. Worst actor too. I don't know who you are, Beverly. Oh, maybe we both gave her worst actor for different things. <sighs> Bad week for her. It's a rough week. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a rough week overall, although not so bad at the low end. But at least it was a long episode. Last place this week was Enterprise with Terra Prime, scoring twenty four. Yep. Uh, twenty four is five points higher than the average loser and uh so you know still sucked (laughs) um third place this week tng the host 25 points not their best effort no uh second place again this week voyager extreme risk only 26 points not great for second place we each gave it a hot 13 yeah um the winner this week deep space nine obviously broken link only scored 33 points not good uh, which is Seven below the average for a weak winner. Mm-hmm. So not great, um, but it is Deep Space Nine's 31st win. Man, they're, they're hanging in there, man. They're, they got a shot. They do. They're only six behind the next generation with 80 episodes to go, basically. So <laughs> it's possible for them. Uh, that's week 96. Next week will be a mailbag week, but when we reconvene for uh, our Star Trek project in the new year, uh-huh. uh, here's the episodes we're going to be watching. For TNG, The Mind's Eye. Surprises me. I didn't realize it was that early, but I guess so. I always think of that as like a, a season five or maybe a season six. Uh, we're right here at the end of season four. Yeah. so hey, It's one of the many times you are told not to go on vacation, not to go to a conference, <laughs> not to go anywhere away from your main... Only work. Fucking base or ship. Do not leave. Yeah. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Apocalypse Rising, the season five opener. I think they gotta uh, pretend to be Klingons and go and try to assassinate Gowron. That's my memory. Ah, yeah, maybe. Voyager has a horrifying title. It's called no. In the Flesh. No! No, at least this is not In the Feet. That's It could have been called that. Yeah, it could be. I've already been through Cathexis, thank you. <laughs> and uh, the final episode yes. of Enterprise, these are the voyages. Yes! That also means that the next time we reconvene, it will be time to do actor rankings. Oh, that's true. All right, I'll give it some thought then. I'll, I'll yeah. think about my actors. Uh, we don't have to do them for TOS this time. So, Am I going to get to put um, Michelle Forbes in there at all for that one episode? Mm. I don't think so. She's only done one. What about Mr. Timison? Can I put him? Can I put him in? I mean, honorable mention right up at the top, I guess. I, just, I can't help. I want to put good actors in. Can I put good actors in? <laughs> it would be nice. He did walk away with that one. Okay. 
Yep, so that's the next uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, next week we're back to mailbag. Maybe we're going to... Is the, is the, are we waiting on Fruit Bracket answers? Yeah, we'll have to get... We have a Fruit Bracket pick we need to get from Shannon. Shannon. I added the link to the Fruit Bracket uh, and to Lobot oh. uh, to BrotherDate.com oh, so you can yes. go see the status of both of those. Nice. That's the good stuff. Um, all right, yeah. So, Shannon, get us the answer on whatever fruit... Whatever the question is that we're uh, split on. Um... People send us some mail. I've been filling the mailbag. Has everybody <laughs> been, have. Has been filling up our Christmas stocking with great <laughs> comments and questions? Yeah, you haven't mostly been complaining about your pregnant wife or anything. So, <laughs> Well, hey, I showed you the other day a game night or book club or whatever it was. She was just looking at a picture of Gritty right there on the couch. That is true. Just sitting next to you looking at a picture of Gritty. Like she thinks that's a regular thing to do. Um, so send us some, some, uh, business for mailback. That's at brother date on Twitter. Send us some email brothers, brother date.com. Obviously Judah just said he updated, uh, some of our business on the website. So check that out. Brother date.com. And, uh, you know, we're on all the podcatchers, every one of them. If you can think of one that we're not on, um, that you have to give it to us as a challenge. And then we will be on that one. Uh, Cambodia doesn't matter. We can be in Russia. We can be in fucking Brazil can be in Singapore, even if we can't click it on the little interactive map. You can't find it. It's not possible. I've moused all around that area 100,000 times. I cannot get it to even even temporarily hover over Singapore. I looked on an actual map to make sure I yes. was right about where Singapore was. Just in that case. That wasn't the problem. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, we'll, we can do it. We'll be on whatever podcatcher you want. Let us know. All right. Um, so, Jalajnesh, everybody. She names it Elizabeth after Tripp's sister, so now there are, now there are going to be two dead Elizabeths in his life. <laughs> it's really fucked up. And he says to her, "My sister would have wanted that." 